Cameron, I did it again. I started live while we were talking. <laughs> it's all good. It's good because we're excited for our audience. We already have, I think, over 40 yeah. people listening. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Hello, guys. Welcome. It's a, another live episode of Curfeffy Break. And this is a new channel. It's called Deprogrammed. If you're watching because the algorithm sent you here, this is a new channel. So please hit subscribe. Um, just a couple of announcements, Cameron, and then I'll get to. We have, um, let's see. We have a locals. We have a Patreon. We have a subscribe star. Cameron has a Patreon. Yeah. And we've got, I'm going to be coming up. I always forget to mention this. So I'm going to mention it coming up in April, April 23rd. I'm going to be at the better discourse conference in Fort Worth. And okay. if you guys want to be there, you can get tickets at betterdiscourseevent.com. I'm moderating a couple panels. Uh, Mike Harlow is hosting and then there are going to be speakers like James Lindsay, Josh Slocum, Libby Emmons, Nikki Klein, uh, Sean Fitzgerald, actual justice warrior, mm -hmm. um, Colin Wright, Blair White, another Wright, and uh, Lauren Southern. So anyway, there's a lot of people, but you can go check it out. And if you, especially if you're in Texas, you should come and say hi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I attended that conference, my crew would be over. So I'm just going to have to be there in spirit. You can. <laughs> There's uh, there are a couple leftists who come, but it's really hard for them to get people on the left to come. Yeah, well, there's leftists that aren't working Hollywood. I promise you that. You know, yeah. so they ain't gonna be. You know, yeah, so yeah. They have I'm, su I'm surprised you can even associate with me on this show. You know, the good thing is none of these people are watching it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you know, so it's not, it's not, it's not like you know, Hollywood executives going, "Oh, let's go, let's go check out, let's go check out some kind of you know, not even conservative media." Because I don't think you're conservative media. I think you're honest media. No. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good tagline. Yeah, I'm not really conservative. I am conservative, I guess. Personally, I've become mm -hmm. a lot more conservative on some things, but politically, I, I don't think I'm conservative. Um, thank you, Pirate Tomsky. He's putting links to your Patreon in the chat. Yeah. And I just have to tell you, Cameron, before we get started, I am so sleepy. So I'm very excited that you're here because you always get me excited. And I'm going to wake like, you up. Yes. Um, I have these two dogs. I'm dog sitting and they're uh, they're not very well behaved. I mean, I had 10 dogs a couple weeks ago and that was easier. These okay. two are just one of them is uh, a little tiny teacup terrier mm -hmm. and he's adorable, but he's an old man and he's very grumpy and he'll like cry and and bark for you to pet him but if you touch him he's like ah! and he'll bite you and so i can't even touch you him. know what that is that's dating in los angeles that's <laughs> i understand that really well yeah he's just he is a handful and i anyway i've never been scared of a dog before that i've watched and i've watched a lot of dogs this one terrifies me and he's only this big he bit my housemate this morning. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, welcome everybody. This is my co-host for you're about to take off for Ramadan, 
right? Yeah, I'm gonna, it, it'll start next Sunday. So I'm taking off uh, for a month uh, from YouTube. Uh, I just want to, you know, it's hard. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I haven't fasted in a while because it's very hard for me. I fasted a, a while back and it's a full fast. It's no food, water, or sexual relations from first light, which is about an hour and a half before sunrise. So dawn, from dawn until sunset and uh you know it's not even any water and so i know and they're nba players that play full basketball games without any water so god bless them i mean wow. i literally you know i day one of ramadan a few years back i was so dizzy from just like not eating all day that uh you know i was dry i was at work i was at a show and i said i'm gonna do this right i'm gonna show what a committed guy spiritual guy i did that and i was so dizzy day one i'm driving back home and i crashed my car and totaled my car Wow. So like, maybe I should slow down a little bit. There. So, uh, but I haven't done it in a while. And now this month, right now I've got, I've got I'm working from home right now. And so I'm like, you know what? Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see if I can do, uh, uh, let me see if I can do it. Let me see if I can do all 30. Um, but you know, as a result, what I do is I tend to stay up till about 5am because you're supposed to have a very, a big meal and lots of water before dawn. So that you have energy for the day. Right. Uh, cause you're not, you're not torturing yourself. You're just, you're disciplining yourself. And so I would, uh, intention is to wake up you know, or stay up till about 5 a.m. before first light, have a nice big meal, and then knock out till like one one in the afternoon, right? And just sleep. Yeah. In the afternoon. So in a schedule like that, YouTube is going to be very draining to add on to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can you can you just tell me before we get into our yeah. topics today, I I was talking with someone, uh, this contractor, we're, oh, mm -hmm. we're finally making progress on our big uh, new old house. And I was talking with the plumbers yesterday about God and um, one of them was raised Catholic and he was talking about Lent and the other plumber was like kind of anti, um, well, you know, he's very young. So he's sort of anti-religion. Anti -religion, so he's that kind of general. Right. Yeah. And so like I used to be sort of, yeah, you yeah, think, uh, you think the con artists represent like all people. Of faith. Yeah, exactly. and, it's, it's all, can it's you like, all the evil religion is, yeah, whatever. Okay. So he was saying that Lent and Ramadan and things like that were about controlling people and, I was thinking that's not that's not how I think of it no, anymore. It's, Maybe it's, when I was younger, people need to control themselves. It's actually yeah. very threatening to those who wish to control others. It's threatening to Bill Gates, who's like eat this crap and eat insects and you know and eat the synthetic good, fake meat and all this stuff. It's it's threatening to the system because you're not you're refusing to participate in it. That's a, and you're willingly doing it. You're like I don't need to. I, I I have the ability to deny myself water for twelve hours. How are you going to conquer a person like that? Right. How is the system going to control somebody like that? It's a threat to the power system. So, you know, in, in the Quran, the verse that actually commands a fast says, uh, you know, it quotes God as saying, we have commanded fasting to you as we did to the people, the religions before you so that you might learn self-restraint. So it acknowledges this is a universal thing. The religions before Islam have fasting. Christianity has it. Judaism has it. All the world religions have a form of a fast, but, you know, and it's so that you can learn self-restraint. And now we're at the 21st century where like people are like, oh, intermittent fasting is like the way to go to lose weight. I'm like, yeah, Muslims have been doing this. Other religions have been doing this. <laughs> you figured it took you 5,000 years to figure out that this is this is good for your body. Your body needs a reset, right? Slap a brand on it. Put yeah, some yeah, yoga on pants it. on it. Intermittent fasting. <laughs> Books, you know, sell, and so it's just like whatever, you know. But yeah. but all those eight, people just don't get. I mean, again, these young dumb people. We were both young dumb people once, yes. right? And so you can't you can't really fault them for that. I was young and dumb, and oh, yeah. it's just you learn with time that the this stuff that has survived thousands of years has survived thousands of years for a reason because it works. Right. So 
It's a good, I think of it now, yeah, it's a good practice. And I haven't done a fast. I've mm -hmm. been thinking about it for a while. I would like to do one at some point. I don't think I'm ready yet. But I think it would be a good practice because yeah. you're, the intention well, seems to be, to be like, like deny yourself one thing. Like if you like sugar, deny yourself sugar for one day, just one day, try something like, and oh, see how well, I've done that. I denied yeah. myself coffee okay. for a week and it was awful. It's <laughs> 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 not supposed to be fun because like, I crashed my car. It's not supposed to be fun. Your body resists it because, you know, we're gluttons by nature, but it's unhealthy. Look, obesity is the biggest problem in the United States, you know, and now even finally the CDC, it finally sort of resentfully admitting that obesity was the primary reason for a lot of the, the virus-related deaths in the last two years. So had we gotten that under control, a lot of people would have lived. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so in thinking about what we're going to talk about today, mm -hmm. hey, guys. Well, um, today we're know, going to talk about what happens when you don't have self-restraint, which is what fasting teaches you. So we're going to talk about that. Well, before that, I want to talk about the big news. I just learned there's going to be a G.I. Jane 2 movie, yes. and I'm really excited. No, I'm kidding. Sorry, no, but, but that's what I'm ready to. We're talking about yeah. <laughs> last night ours about self-restraint and lack thereof, right? So, yeah. Yeah. That's the big takeaway for me. Is that real movie really happening? No. Um, yeah. So everybody on everybody online, every, all the media, all the social media, everyone's talking about at the Oscars last night, Will Smith got up and slapped Chris Rock, who was hosting when he made a joke about his wife. Uh, if for anyone who hasn't seen it, let's just start with that video just so we get it out of the way. Cole, can you pull up that video clip? Thank you. And who can't wait to see it? So he sees that the low joke hasn't landed with her. She didn't like it. He sees that. I'm out here. Uh-oh. Richard. <laughs> oh. Well, that was hard. You could hear it. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. <laughs> wow, dude. It was a G.I. Jane joke. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> Look at Lupita Nyong'o sitting next to him. She thinks it's a joke initially. She th that's like people are saying in the chat, it's staged, right? And you look at her reaction, she thinks it's staged, and then he starts cursing and he repeats it, and her just look goes to pure mortification. She's like, oh my God, this is really happening. I'm sitting next to this guy. Oh, we lost your voice. Can you hear us? Oh yeah, I'm back. Cameron, I just got a text from my neighbor. One of those little dogs got out. Can you take the show for about 10 minutes and I'll be right back? Oh, well, why don't I interact with the chat? I don't know how to do this. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'll interact Can you with the see chat. the chat? Uh, well, I've got I've got a window open. I've got a window open. It'll be maybe a couple of seconds slow, but I, I don't know how to bring chats up, but I'll try to address chats that are coming. So it's... We're flowing with it. We're flowing with it, man. We're living in okay, the moment. Okay, you flow with it. And you can talk about whatever you want. I'll be right back. I think no, it's Tiger. Okay, okay. sorry. Here we go. So, okay, guys. So the, I guess I'm I'm the host of Kerfefe Break right now. I've got my reading glasses on because your chats are very small. Uh, so, all right. Why don't you guys throw some stuff into the into the chat? And uh, uh, I see I, Rib Rascal says, that can, this conspiracy theory is dumber than flat earth. I'm not sure what conspiracy theory uh, it is. I guess maybe is a conspiracy theory that this is, that it's fake. It's certainly people in the audience reacted 
with the belief that this was this was staged. I mean, you saw the sort of silence initially, um, but I personally don't think it's staged. I don't think they got because staging, you know, is meant to certainly excite the audience. This really horrified people. Uh, it horrified the industry. I mean, I'm on right now uh, various screenwriter, you know, message boards, and all I've been seeing since last night is just pure shame and embarrassment and how far the industry has fallen. When you've got sort of the standard sort of lefty-lefty, you know, Hollywood screenwriter types saying that there's something happening in the industry that's ugly, right, uh, then I think something real is happening. If they stage this, it's not going to be a stage that's going to help anybody. It certainly is not going to help the reputation of the Oscars. Uh, if the idea was it's going to bring more ratings, I don't know how that would happen because people were already not tuning in. Uh, and I don't know that it's going to make want people want to tune in next year. I don't think it will. I think the ratings are going to go down even further. But even more, it's going to severely damage uh, Will Smith's career. The, you know, one of the comments that my friends made on these screenwriter boards is that Will Smith is someone that has cultivated a persona of the nice guy, the charming guy over well over 20 years in the industry. And they called it the most carefully crafted and maintained persona. And then suddenly in front of the whole planet, he shatters that persona in a way that I think when I first saw this, I had a very visceral reaction. Uh, I felt something ugly inside of myself. It made me feel a little sick seeing it. It felt so degrading just to watch it. Uh, and so I, nothing good is going to come out of this for Will Smith. It's not going to advance his career. It's forever going to haunt his, uh, you know, his Oscar win. And no one's going to remember the movie that he won the Oscar for or that he won the Oscar. They're going to remember that he, you know, slapped a man on stage. And, you know, and some people in the chat are saying Chris, Chris Rock's reaction wasn't staged. Now, Chris Rock is a very good comedian. Don't necessarily think he's a great actor. He's done a few movies, but he's not, I don't think he claimed to be a great actor. And, uh, his reaction was very real and very flustered. And he, you know, if this had been staged, it would have been more like flowing with it and next move to the next joke, right? Uh, and that wasn't what it was. He literally sort of lost track of where he was, lost track of the cue cards, and he had to get it back on track. And I don't think it was staged. I think it was a pure disaster that's going to cause real repercussions in the industry and for the Academy moving forward. Maybe it's time it did because the Academy Awards have kind of fallen apart over the last uh decade from something that I think we all watch, whatever our political, philosophical leanings were, I think we all sort of watched it. And I think reading the last five years, it's become something that I didn't watch it last night. I, I heard about this and I saw the video on YouTube, but I didn't watch it because even though I work in the industry, I was like, I don't want to see this. So, so, uh, so, so let's see. I think, I think we, I think we've lost Carrie again to hear some barking. Um, I'm back. Can you see me now? Uh, yes, I can see you now. Yes. <sighs> Sorry about that. Tiger just got out and then, the neighbor, anyway, then I got him, but then the neighbor came over. Long, crazy day here, Cameron. <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing yeah. We're fine with it. This was not staged. I'll tell you that. This actually happened. Yeah. My, you, uh, you, 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 saw, you saw Chris Rock's reaction. That was real. Oh, yeah. I was making a joke about my dogs getting out. That's not staged. But also, yeah. That, <laughs> I'm missing the, a joke. They're going over my head. I'm sorry. I'm going <laughs> right over my fine. head. No, but I agree with you. I heard you saying the part about... um. Chris Rock is not that good of an actor, mm -hmm. but he is like an absolute pro and he mm -hmm. kept the show going as best he could. But Oh, his career is going to be great. He's, yeah. he's, he's going to get a Netflix special soon. He's just, I mean, he's always been a part of our culture, of our entertainment culture for a couple of decades, right? Even longer than Chappelle. And, but he's about to, uh, to reach some pinnacles of his career because people, you look at what's trending on Twitter. I stand with Chris Rock. That's trending. 
Yeah. He did the, I mean, there are people, I, I, I was actually surprised that some people thought it was staged, but then I realized, well, I guess that's the consequence of living in a time where we can't trust anything anymore. Yeah, because trust. a lot of stuff is staged. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and the industry has staged stuff, but this is this stuff doesn't benefit anybody, right? Unless Chris Rock stages it to advance his career and sympathy with the public, it's the only person who's going to benefit from this. Yeah, it's not a you know his him trying to get back on script. He was discombobulated. He was using the wrong words. Yeah, he was you know he was trying to bring it back on course. So no, I don't think that that it was staged at all. I don't know if you got into one of the things I wanted to talk about is mm -hmm. like what it kind of signifies because everybody's discussing it. And on the one hand, I understand the people who are saying like, I wish we weren't all talking about this thing. But on the well, other we hand, about all these things. we're going to talk about yeah. this a week until some other drama happens. Yeah. Right. And I think part of the reason people are talking about it and are interested in it is because it sort of signifies just the lack of civility, like where we've fallen in a way, as a culture, like we've reached this, I saw somebody say, you know, there was the age of reason, the age of enlightenment, and now we're in the age of emotion. I don't know who yeah. said that on Twitter, but I was like, well, yeah, that's it's exactly. About, it's what I've been saying about the cycles of history and, you know, yeah. or turning and all, you know, the the, the, the fall of, the, you know, the, 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 the path of empires, that book by Sir John Glove, right? We've been talking about that every time I come on here is that history is cyclical and we are at the degradation stage, which is what I felt when I watched it. I felt like you know, the Oscars, the Oscars were always a gimmick. They were a marketing tool, right, to get people to watch movies. They were an ad, essentially. Uh, and even before that, there was an even more sinister or at least more Machiavellian reason. Uh, you know, it, 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 Louis Mayer and the and the studio heads said they created the Oscars in order to essentially control actors, that, that in order to keep actors' salary demands and contract demands in control, they would give them a dog and pony show where they would feel proud of stuff and give them, give them an award. So that way they could control their egos and satisfy their egos and then not have to negotiate higher salaries that was wow. then it became we can because the initially wasn't televised it was just there for that dog and pony show to uh to keep the actors happy pat them on the head right yeah and then like, wait a minute we could use this for advertising a lot of people didn't see these movies or they haven't seen these movies yet let's do this as a pr thing and that's what it became uh and then it became this global phenomenon and so some people decided okay we can use this for political statements. And some of those political statements are very powerful. I mean, we remember Sashin Littlefeather, when, when Marlon Brando won for The Godfather, he didn't attend. Uh, he didn't attend because we, we had oh, yeah. uh, a major massacre of Native Americans that had happened, uh, you know, and uh, at Wounded Knee, which is the second time it had happened in that place in, in history. And so that happened recently. And so to protest that, he didn't attend, and he sent a Native American woman, Sashin Littlefeather, to accept his Oscar. And she just read his prepared statement. She just read his statement, uh, which was basically saying, I, you know, I'm, I'm condemning Hollywood for its portrayals of Native Americans, American Indians, and all that. And, you know, she was booed. She was booed because Hollywood had never been, had that done to them, right? Uh, it was always meant to be a fluffy kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and her life was changed after that. Like, she was an actress. She couldn't get work after that. The industry wouldn't wouldn't hire her because they were so pissed off. All she did was read what she was a friend of Brando's and she just read what he said to read, right? Um, but she her career was done. And there there have been, been light moments. There's that moment where the the, the streaker ran behind David Niven in like 1972. Oh, right? I don't remember that. Oh, can you somebody can your your gentleman in the back can you pull it up? That moment Cole. is Cole, Cole, can you pull that up? Because you know David Niven, the great one of the great actors of, of the last century, a British actor, he was hosting the Oscars, and this was in the early '70s when streaking was kind of the thing, right? And so on live television in front of a billion people, while he's hosting, a random naked guy runs by him, right, on live television. 
and he's completely unflappable. He didn't see it coming, and he comes with the best British come uh, comeback joke in the moment. He makes it up at that moment. Can we find it? Because it's just it's just a few seconds. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This streak. Here we go. Let's move it to where you see the guy in the background streaking because he's doing lots of little talk, 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 talk. To try and help. Yeah. This yep, year, yeah, most important envelope Here it comes. is a very important contributor to world entertainment and someone quite likely. Now he's like, wait, there's a streaker? He's reacting perfect. <laughs> <laughs> trying to music them off stage or they're mortified. <laughs> so silly. I wish this was the kind of drama happening now. <laughs> what is this? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that, um, that was almost bound to happen. <laughs> but isn't it fascinating that Fascinating to think that, that probably the only laugh that man will ever get in his life is by stripping off and showing his shortcomings. Small <laughs> <laughs> Peter's joke on the Oscars. <laughs> we can stop there, but That's he awesome. made that up on the spot. Like, and he, you know, he's a very dapper gentleman. He was absolutely mortified, but he went with it, right? He's like, I'm gonna, I'm an entertainer. I'm gonna make up. This 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 great memorable comment, right? Uh, which which people remember his comment more than the streaker. Yeah, Chris, Chris Rock did that too, or he tried to keep it. You know, he tried to make a joke of it. This is the greatest night in television, yeah. but you could tell he was like discombobulated. It's very different to be hit. No, I mean, obviously, he was humiliated. Yeah, he's there in the audience. Yeah. I mean, it's in front of a billion people. He got slapped. You know, you know, and it was. You know, he handled it like an absolute, absolute probe better than any anyone out. I, I think. I, I imagine had someone said if Chappelle had been the the other end of that slap, he would have spent the next hour making even more extreme jokes about Jada. You know? <laughs> he would have He would have made fun of their marriage and whatever. He wouldn't. He'd be like, okay, you want to go? You want you want to go there? Let's go there. Let's have some fun, right? You know, they would have had to leave. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he would. He would have humiliated them. And then Chappelle, I actually think, is going to come out very strongly in defense of his friend. Chris Rock is his friend and his competitor. They're both doing the same kind of sort of, you know, black conservative comedy, right? Uh, but it's, you know, I, I think Chappelle be horrified that I called him a black conservative, but he, he kind of is. And, and so... Yeah, and I don't think... I think he might be like some of us. Like, I think he's probably personally more conservative, if I had to yeah, take a guess. Yeah, he's, he's personally a religious Muslim in person, right. his private life. You know, publicly... Privately. Yeah, and she's more at least more like us, libertarian. But he's certainly willing to question the social mores of the time, the current narratives, right? He's willing to do that, oh, yeah. which is very shockingly, which is shockingly right to to everyone else apparently. Okay, but whatever. But I think he's going to come out probably in his next special because he said in his previous special they got all this lambasted for that. You know, his family is you know is fellow comedians. He called them that. He said, they're my community and I'll defend them, right? He defended a trans woman that was a comedian who was his friend who committed suicide, you know, yeah. and and he talked about, you know, it wasn't this person was trans. It, this person was my friend and this person was a fellow comic and I'll defend comics to my death. And so he's going to come out in defense of, uh, of Chris Rock now. It's going to be a bigger PR nightmare than Will Smith imagines. Yes. So one of the things I want to talk about related to this 
this may turn some people off. This is where my personal, I guess my personal uh, conservatism is creeping in, but I can't help but look at some of the stuff, you know, you know, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett, Pinkett Smith, they're one of those couples who have put their entire private lives out into the public. And I mean, we know more about their bedroom lives than we know about our close friends, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. She, she has a show called The Red Table where she's always talking about the different men she's sleeping with. They have an open marriage. Um, there's an article. Cole, can you pull up just that first article about the background? There's two. So a couple weeks ago, right before the Oscars, there was yet another thing in the news about them. There's always something in the news about their, again, their personal private relationship stuff. And he went to the media. This is a headline where he says, Will Smith says there's never been infidelity in his marriage with Jada Pinkett Smith. Now, if you look through this, what it actually means is, they supposedly have an open relationship. I think he's walking that fine line. Of, yeah, right. well, it's, it's you're not cheating if I'm in the closet watching with a video camera. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, like she's told me about it, so it's okay. And these things are happening in our relationship, but I'm aware of them. And if you scroll down, call. I mean, just the language that's being used to promote. This started. This started. I mean, back when I was in college, I started hearing some of this stuff. But really, living in Los Angeles in the entertainment industry, yeah. like you do, um, it was very common in LA. Sometimes I talk to people in Texas who are, who, uh, they don't, they don't realize how common polyamory is and open relationships and stuff in other parts of the country. I mean, I often wonder, I'm like, so look, you're a famous movie star. Why even get married? You know, you got thousands of people that want to have sex with you, right? You know, that will happily do that and one night stand, whatever. So why get married? And they realize the marriage, for most of these people is just there for social purposes, for PR purposes, right? Yes. You know, they're all, because they know it's, you know, it's, it's, it's what Chris Rock once said, you know, and it's true, I think not just for men, but it, he said, Chris Rock said, a man is only as faithful as his options, right? Yeah. And he was talking about Bill Clinton. He said, he said, Orrin Hatch got no options. So he, you know, he can be self-righteous. Bill Clinton's got thousands of women throwing themselves at him. So he's going to take advantage of it. And that's true for Hollywood actors and actresses, you know? And so, you know, but I don't think that's true of men. I think that this is a cultural thing that we are pushing this idea okay. now that all men are like this and that um, polyamory. Well, all, all men, if they, yeah. I mean, all men will at least desire to bang lots of women. I think sure. that's why whether they choose to do that is about the issue of self-restraint, right? You know, so yeah. Right. So yeah. Self-restraint and and having some, I don't know, some foundation that prevents them from yeah, some, some ethical belief about that, right? There's right. A, but, yeah, but yeah. So so here's where, and maybe you'll disagree with me on this, but I have become more personally conservative. I've for a while when I was uh living in LA and I was in that world, everybody was reading this book, The Ethical Slut. It was like oh, yeah. the Bible yeah. of polyamory, and there and, and it's got the word ethics. Women for women, yes. Right. It's got the word ethic right in the title. And basically it's it's a it's a Bible for people who want to be married but have lots of other relationships too sexual relationships too girlfriends and boyfriends and whatever and it sort of tells you it's like a guidebook on like this is how you can do it ethically as long as your partner knows everything it's like, fine and there's, there's been, no infidelity uh, if they know about it yes right and there have been 
other books written like this, that this is just the one that comes to mind, but the, what they're pushing is this idea. Here, here's my sense of it. Anyway, they're trying to, I think push this idea of like, Oh, traditional marriage and monogamy doesn't work. It's so old fashioned. Um, people were limited in their thinking. They weren't as evolved as we are. And now we're coming up with something new, this new thing, polyamory. First of all, it's not new. It's been around forever, as long as humans, you know, it's not a new it's thing. Been around pre-civilization. <laughs> you know, one would argue that in pre-civilization era, when it was just tribes living in the jungles, right? You know, nobody knew who the father was because, you know, woman was banging everybody in the tribe, right? You yeah. know, and so, I mean, that was, a, that was a survival thing, right? And so, you know, it, it is literally the rise of civilization became with two moments. It became with the concept of personal property, that that cave is actually mine. You know, it's not the tribe's cave. I own that cave and I can keep you out of my cave, right? That's one, personal property. And two, that partner is mine and those kids are mine. That was a yeah. development civilization. Yeah. Can you scroll down just a little bit, Cole? There's one quote here I want to read. So this is him denying that there's infidelity in his marriage. This is a few weeks ago. And then he says um, that his wife is not the only one engaging in other sexual relationships outside of the marriage. Uh, then he declined to go into detail. You can take this article off the screen now and, and actually pull up the next one about, about Jada and her daughter. Again, this is the conservative in me, the new little conservative in me coming out. But I think that they're, they're sort of, they're not just pushing the idea of like, we're breaking boundaries. We're doing new things. We, we're married. Our relationship is awesome. And we have all these other lovers and it's awesome. And then, then they're also going to the press and saying this. This is, a, this is a headline that's like, Jada's confession. Jada Pinkett Smith admits that she has sexual attraction to women after she after sharing that she had an affair during Split from Will. And then if you scroll down, it says their daughter, Willow, also says she's sexually attracted to women. It's like one of these PR things where now it's so cool and edgy to come out and talk about like, you know, I step outside of my marriage and it's cool because my spouse is cool with it. And also I'm also queer and I'm all these other things. And it's just... For me, it seems to be um, an attempt to create something new that's not new to push back against what's viewed as traditional and uh, square, if you will. And I think this is just my personal opinion. I've known a lot of people in open relationships. Mm -hmm. I don't know anyone who was in one successfully. And I don't think they work. And I think that they probably lead to a lot of jealousy just in talking to, this is all anecdotal. They lead to a lot of jealousy. I don't think humans are built to uh, portion up their love, their intimate love with lots of different people. Because love isn't just a feeling that you have. It's not just like a limitless, well, I love that person, this person. I can love all of these women as my wives. It's also, it's time. It's time and effort and, and closeness. And it's it, you are necessarily taking it from one person if you're giving it to another in that intimate way. Now, that might be the most controversial thing I've ever said. <laughs> well, I don't know. Let me first address the, the, the Smiths, and then we can have an interesting discussion. OK. So, you know, look, with them, I think it's always been a a try hard thing that's getting that's been old, that was old years ago you know as you know from people we know the more people talk about how much they're getting laid or people they ain't getting laid that much right you know you know it, normal people don't feel the need to publicize this this isn't normal even by hollywood standards 
right? You know, we're not hearing about George Clooney's sex life. We're not, right? We're just not hearing about Brad Pitt, Angela Jolie, you know, and these are people that love the attention. This is this bizarro thing that this couple has been putting out there, have their kids been putting out there, like Jaden was wearing a dress before it was cool for a guy, a teenage boy to wear a dress, right? And that's their shtick. And they've been like, we're the, they've been the, we're the sexually liberated advanced couple years ago. Uh, to the point that it's become a bore. It's become a bore for all of us, but they can't stop this mantra, right? They're stuck, they're trapped in this narrative, and that's all they've got. Like, you know, when, when Jada has an affair, you know, with like her son's best friend, who's a, you know, whatever, it's a rapper, whatever he is, it's just like that. It's like she's like leaking it to people to put it on the front cover, right? I mean, it's it's bizarre behavior even by Hollywood standards, and there's a weird pathology in that family that's. I think has screwed them all up, right? And there's desperate need to be seen as sexy and cool that comes out of some yes. profound insecurity that's not normal because they are both attractive people. So why do you feel the need to talk about this? It's it's weird. I mean, I'm assuming they're both having lots of sex. I assume they're probably having lots of sex with other people, right? I assume that. I don't need to hear about it, but they feel this compulsion. And part of it is it, their whole public image has been mocked and degraded by this. Some people in the chat are suggesting maybe one of the reasons Will had to feel like he had to prove he was a man is that he's basically the, the global cuckold, right? You know, mm -hmm. his wife banging her son's friend. And it's like she's talking about it on her podcast, right? I mean, he's looking hes looking like not the cool action figure that we think of, but as a guy who's like his wife doesn't even respect him enough to keep that private. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also, there's something, I, we're going to get to uh, Super Chats in just a second, guys. I'm sorry, I just want to, I'm trying to collect my thoughts on this. And there's one other part to this, that it's not just what you're saying. It's not just Cameron, that she's mm -hmm. she's out there talking about all this stuff, doesn't respect him, but we're living in this new cultural consensus where it's like supposed to be cool and masculine for a guy to be okay with his wife stepping out and talking about it. And as long as he knows about it, right? And, and but I think deep down we know, like your gut knows that's not, your gut knows that he's not cool with it. I don't care. I just don't believe it. I don't believe he is. There is a clip I want to put up. This is from two years ago and I could not find the original clip. It's, I think it's been scrubbed from YouTube. If somebody finds it, drop it mm -hmm. in the comments later. But this video is um, from Revenge of the Sizz. And so we're going to watch this clip on their channel and it's really short. Just start at that. Okay, so this is, I'll give you, before you hit play, Cole, <clears throat> scroll to the right time code. Yeah. So this is two years ago. And Will Smith has built a pretty big social media empire. He's he's one of the first celebrities, I think, who really started using all these different platforms. And he was being promoted by YouTube. You know, he was like Brie Larson. He's one of these celebrities who the system, the social media, big social was like pushing and like, follow the the main why are you following all these nobody people follow a star you know on youtube yeah. and so he's made a lot of money doing all the social media stuff then his wife lesser known celebrity starts her own internet show called uh the red table mm -hmm. and she decided to just start filming him one day at home and put it online and she's pressuring him on camera like live streaming live streaming and trying to pressure him to come on her show. Cause at this, at this point he had not been on her show yet. And she's telling him about one of the guests that's coming up on the show and just look at his body language and what he's saying to her here. You can go ahead without talking, People yell at us for stopping too much. 
So, Will, you know Esther Perel is coming to the table. She's going to be at the red table. Would you say she has been instrumental in you and I redefining our relationship? I would say don't just start filming me without asking me oh my if you could film Esther, me. come help us again, please. I'm still dealing with foolishness. Don't. No, no, she, yeah, because she don't just... Would you say that she helped us heal the hurts that we caused between one another? My social media presence is my bread and butter, okay? So you can't just use me for social media and not, you know, don't just start rolling. I'm standing in my house. Don't just start rolling. Don't Please watch a stare at the red table because she's helped us a lot. Can't you tell? Okay, you can stop it there. So wow. I never, wow. I mean, that's that's real. That's not him going off a script. That's him like you're you're violating my my privacy, yes. my own life, and that was authentic. Yes, and and she yeah. Somebody in the chat, Jules says this is awkward. Yes, it's awkward, and oh yeah, this one. That's no kind of relationship. He resents her absolutely. So all of this is, all of this to say. I don't, I agree. Again, I agree with the people who are like, why are we talking about this? But at the same time, they put all of this out in public. And it's, I think it's interesting because it's like human nature. You're trying to figure out why, why did something so crazy happen? Why did this guy get up and punch mm -hmm. someone on stage who was making a joke, a pretty benign joke, a very benign joke about his wife. But if you go back and look at that clip, you may have pointed this out when I had to step away. He was laughing at the joke at first. But then you see her face just livid. She rolls her eyes and is angry. And so part of me feels like he's in some weird, sometimes people get in relationships when, where one person is the dominant and very controlling. It's not always the man. And no, it's, she's clearly in charge. I think, I think the world has seen that. Uh, and people noticed that he was laughing along with a joke and going along with it. And then he saw the look on her face and he's up there. And I think it's the buildup of all of this. And it really, someone said in the chat, and I think they're right. I think he's sublimating his anger, right? Yes. Whatever anger he feels towards her, like there's something inside of him that wants to slap her. And so he's sublimating it and pushing it over there and screaming out about his wife twice. I mean, dude, seriously. I mean, you're that obsessed with your wife. I mean, it's like, it, it's really degrading to his sense of masculinity to all of us watching it, right? Yes. If I knew this couple in real life and and in some other <laughs> world mm -hmm. and we were friends, I, I mean, I don't even know where I would start. It's like, it's not even that you lost your temper and, and hit someone on camera in front of the nation at, a, at an event. It's like, you have to go down to the root of the problem. It's that stuff Jordan Peterson talks about, about when you let a dragon grow in your house and you don't address it and the dragon gets bigger and bigger until it 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 moves, it's so big, it takes your house with it. And it sort of just, it makes me think like, you, whatever's going on in that, this public, private, you know, private but public relationship that they have that they're putting out there, it's it's not healthy. And I think you're right. Somebody, whoever said sublimating his anger, I think that's exactly what we just saw. I think that there's, there's, I don't know, there's just something very wrong, but also yeah. on a big scale. Yeah. I think it's, it's representative of where we've fallen as a culture that I don't think you would have ever seen something like this at the Oscars in the fifties or, you know, the well, golden the 50s, age. Everywhere, 
everyone's not only keeping their sexual lives private, they're lying about them. Like Rock Hudson is like a lady. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the whole image, right? You know, and so, and it's, it was actually crafted image the other way. And so here, part of what we're watching, one of the reasons people have stopped watching the Oscars, aside from the, the political comments and blah, blah, is that the very, the glamour is gone. The sense of distance from the stars is gone because of social media, right? Yes. Listen, what if you can if you can see Will Smith on Instagram at any moment at random moments in his life, right? You're jogging, going to the gym, whatever. You didn't see that about Cary Grant. You'd have to buy these these like these gossip magazines that would give you maybe a hint of what's happening in Vivian yeah. Leigh's private life, right? You know, and it was all sources, right? And, and and people would spend a lot of money on those things because you wanted desperately to get a sense of what is happening behind the scenes with these magical figures. Yes. That's all laid out. So, and it's laid out in a degrading way where they're like, my life is better than this, right? <laughs> so how am I going to hold these people up? Yes. There used to be, I think in the, like the golden age of Hollywood and everything where there was that distance, there were stars, right? I heard somebody say this, there were stars. Like I think of Betty Davis is just yeah. one of my favorite stars. But now we have celebrities, and that's something really different. <laughs> exactly, because there is just even the words uh, themselves of a different connotation, right? Stars is something that you aspire for, like shoot for the stars, aim for the stars. Celebrity is just attention. That's all it is. That's yeah. not what the stars were. The stars had craft. You look at Cary Grant, he had craft, right? You know, And, and you're like, this is an incredible actor, right? Uh, and... You, they swept you away. I mean, even somebody like Humphrey Bogart, who's not a traditionally handsome man, was the biggest movie star in the world because he had craft, right? So he was a star. He, he didn't want to be a celebrity. That was, he didn't want any attention at all, right? Yeah. It's so different. Now it's, now it's they run. Part of the reason people thought this was staged is because, as you said, they do stage so many things and they run to the tabloids and they get into relationships that are, that are just created for the PR. You know, they... Um, it's constantly about chasing that attention train, even the way they're dressing at the Oscars. I'm, again, this is my old fashioned nature, but I love when they, when the fashion was classy and classic. And now you've got Kristen Stewart wearing short shorts and a V-neck cut open to her belly button. It looks like, I mean, maybe for the MTV Music Awards, but it's like, it's the Oscars, lady. Just put on a nice dress. Like, you don't need, but you want the cameras there, you know? Well, people are talking about it because they're like, oh, look at her right. daring. That's what I'm seeing on Twitter. Look at her yes. daring. I was like, you know what? I'd rather see Grace Kelly. I'd yes. rather see Grace Kelly in any of her dresses from To Catch a Thief would sweep away the Oscars, right? Mm -hmm. you know, so, I mean, that's what they're there for. That you're, It's supposed to be this one night of glitter and glamour and magic and stars and, and this illusion, but Hollywood forgot the illusion. They, and now they're like, why is nobody watching this? It's not just because you're making political speeches. It's just that you're all crass. Yes, you're crass and you're crap now. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's do some Super Chats finally. Hello, Pyrotomsky. He says... Thank you, sir. He says, I don't care if it was staged or not. It's generated some of the best memes ever today. <laughs> well, yes, it's, it's, you know, it's replaced. I've seen the theme. It's replaced the Batman slapping Robin theme. Literally, like, people will, like, put, like, Will's face on the Batman slapping Robin now. So, yeah. Yes. Oh, this is from earlier. Oh, no, uh, Thomas. Thank you, Thomas. Thomas says, Cameron, I always enjoy hearing your perspective on things from Hollywood to spirituality. Carrie, following Christ is a lifelong process. Keep learning and growing, sister. Love and prayers for you both. 
Thank you. What Thank a blessing. you. Thank you. Very kind thing to say. Thank you. Fracky long time. Hey, I recognize you. Fracky long time says nothing better than that first bite of food after a fast. A absolutely. You know, and it's, uh, it's something that in all of our traditions, there's fasting. And one of the things it does is it, it helps us understand that for a lot of people on the planet, this is not a fast. That's their day-to-day -day lives. They get one meal a day, maybe, right? And uh, and so when and imagine how wondrous that one meal a day feels to them after a whole day without food. And so that's a reminder to us that we are actually more blessed than we realize. Yeah. And maybe hopefully be more charitable now that we recognize a lot of people on the planet are hungry all day long. That's the thing to think about. It's probably, it refocuses you to such a degree because it, it probably makes you think about we're so separated. We're so removed from just basic survival and all the things that we take, all the many things we take for granted every day that I think it's, if I were to try a fast, I think it would probably focus my attention very quickly on the fact that I wasn't eating. <laughs> and, and then you're paying attention to something much more immediate that you just don't think about most of the time, you know? Yeah. And, and and what it is is you discover how quickly you, you start losing your temper, how quickly without food in your stomach or water, you start becoming a worse person and you have to work harder to be a better person. You become very conscious of the fact how just eating keeps us going through the day, right? And uh, and being our constructed personas, you know, a little bit of deprivation brings out some ugly stuff that then we have to analyze. I believe that for sure. So are we talked out about Will Smith or you were going to tell me you had an interesting take on it that I would yeah, like I, to hear. Okay. And, and I wanted to say there was a very nice commenter in the chat who said, Mary, who said, Cam, you know, the guest is interrupting the host too much and she's right. And I forgive me. I just get very excited and I start talking. So. Oh, I didn't see that. But no, 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 no. By the way, you're not the guest. I mean, you're the guest co-host. So cool. when you're here, I don't, I'm not interviewing you. Right. It's like we're co-hosting. So yeah. I can stand, I can, I, I can interrupt back when I need to. Please do, please do, please don't, do. don't even worry about that. I like, you're someone who's very easy for me to talk to and it just kind of flows naturally. And also you have a, you have that energy that just brings me up, especially on a date like today when I'm so tired. <laughs> interrupt me more, Cameron. <laughs> so, so, so the reference I wanted to make, which is, um, you know, anyone who, who's watched me before knows that I'm a big follower not just a fan, but a follower of Malcolm X, you know, Hajj Malik al-Shabazz, you know, and if you actually read his teachings, you know, a lot of people don't know what he was about. They have false perceptions. You know, the left has tried to claim him when he wasn't. He was clearly very black conservative. He was very openly critical of the left. Uh, if you watch any of his interviews in the 60s, he's very clear about the, the danger that liberals, and he says it, the, the, he calls liberals foxes. He says, the white conservative, I know what he's about, right? I, and I, I know exactly he's coming for me. The white liberal pretends to be my friend. He's the fox that comes into the hen house with a big smile and then eats you, right? Uh, and so he made these comments. But he made uh, some really interesting comments uh, that people should go back and, and look at. And you can find them on YouTube. Just look for Malcolm X speeches on YouTube and interviews. There's thousands of them. And he said all this stuff in the 50s and the 60s. And he was right about everything. And he said, 
an interview that was making people uncomfortable. He made people uncomfortable. He said truths that are difficult to say today. And he said that uh, white liberals don't want to talk about black on black violence. Now, remember, this is a guy that went to prison. Uh, he wasn't violent. He had done like he'd done burglaries and stuff like stupid crimes. Right. Uh, but he wasn't physically violent. But he came out of there it was completely this spiritually transformed, disciplined, religious guy and uh, and never struck anyone. He was always about self-defense. Right. People always have this image. He wasn't a violent guy at all. But he said and what he was trying to show the black community is like, look, you have to restrain yourself. He said the biggest problem. And he said this. In the 60s, he said the biggest problem that the white people don't want to talk about is black on black violence. He says, he said, our, and he said this. I'm just quoting him. He said, we we are violent. He's talking about himself in the community. He said, but you don't want to talk about it because you know you want to create this image. Because he had a lot of critiques of Martin Luther King. He said you want to create this image that we're king. We're not. We're actually you know, and that's what you bred in us, right? You you bred us to this, and we have to now breed ourselves out of this violence of several centuries of violence that we were subjected to has caused us to turn that violence on each other. But he didn't say, well, it's the white man's fault. He said, the white man set this in motion. Now we got to stop it, right? And so he, he talked about black on black violence and the degrading effect of it and the inability of the left to even acknowledge its existence. We see that today. It's like there's no acknowledgement of, of, of shooting deaths in Chicago today, right? There's no acknowledgement of it. Uh, you know, and yeah, you, know, you have people talking about, you know, Black Lives Matter, but the, the lives of these people being shot, you know, in Los Angeles or Chicago from black on black violence is it doesn't matter at all to the media. And he said that I mean that's day-to-day -day life for black people. That's what's ruining their lives, right? You know, is th this culture of violence internally. This is all Malcolm X. So anyone's saying, like, Cameron is proud. I'm just quoting Malcolm. Go back and watch him. And he was right because look at this. Would, I'm left watching this. Would Will Smith have gotten up and struck a white comedian? I don't know that he would have done that. He felt entitled and privileged to strike another black man in front of the whole planet. Right. And wow. this is that form of degradation from slavery on slavery. You would have slaves would be asked to enforce rules on other slaves. Right. And so you'd feel powerful within the system, which is Malcolm. I said, you've got to get out of the system. The system is going to make you do this stuff to each other. Right. And, you know, look and what happens to him. He's killed by black on black violence. Right. He's killed. He, Malcolm X isn't killed by white people. He's killed by black people. Black people, yeah. you know, who didn't like that he renounced racism and, you know, the white man is the devil. They killed him for that. Right. Black radicals killed him. And he wasn't afraid of being killed by white people. This is what he was afraid of. And he knew it was coming. Right. Because he said, this is what they bred us to. Right. And they'll enjoy this. They'll enjoy watching a black man kill me. Right. Which is what happened. So this Malcolm X watching this would be like, yeah, well, I told you guys, this is what you're now going to on the night. You're going to win this Oscar for your art, the greatest, you know, award of the artistic community on the planet. You're going to degrade Another black man, humiliate him, slap him, slap him like a little child, demean him, make yourself look like garbage, and then take away forever this award. And why are you sitting there going, ah, look at these black barbarians? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what's happening. It's so, it's so interesting because this is, I do, I do think that there are, you know, the social justice people, they like to say that any issue, any racial disparity or any issue like black on black crime, that the only reason for anything like that is systemic racism, which is just not true. There are, there are disparities and things that where there's lots of reasons, but they don't let you investigate what all these different reasons are. You're just supposed to say, well, it must be racism. Any disparity must be racism. But I do think there's a truth to, there is one of the causes I think of what you're talking about, black on black crime. I think, I think that is one of the reasons. And we don't even get to talk about that about racism contributing to this because 
we're not allowed to talk about the this. We're not even allowed to acknowledge the black on black crime. So we don't even get there. And um, you reminded me of, oh gosh, I was just share an anecdote. So I have a friend back when I worked in entertainment, I had a friend who was a pretty big tour manager who went out with musicians all the time on tour, lots of bigger name people. Um, one of the people that he briefly tour managed for was, I guess I shouldn't say, anyway, it was a black musician who, um, when it was time to leave the hotel on the, the first stop, he was late. Everybody else in the musician's party, oh, they were both, so the musician was black and my friend, the tour manager was black. Everybody else in the party was downstairs there. He was waiting on this musician. He finally went upstairs and the guy, the, the musician looked at him. His, he had this one small bag. It was on the floor. And he looked at him and was like, pick it up, pick it up and carry it for me. And my friend, the tour manager quit. <laughs> he was like, he was like, I knew what he was doing to me. He said, he wouldn't have done that to me if I was a white tour manager. It was, it was some like dynamic between, you know, that, that kind of um, like black on black humiliation yeah. to say, I've made it, I've arrived here. I'm higher than you pick that up for me. So you know. on that, and I actually want to address a, a comment that I, th I think is unfortunate in the chat, and I'm addressing it in the chat, but I feel I need to say it. So gentlemen in the chat saying, well, you know, it's not black on black violence doesn't come from slavery. It's how they were bred in Africa. Well, my spiritual teachers are from Senegal, West Africa, right? I've been to Senegal multiple times. I've taken my mother there, right? Because it is one of the safest places on the planet. When I went there, my mother, I took her there. She said, this is a, one of the most spiritual places I've ever been. The people are relaxed, they're peaceful, they're poor, and they don't know they're poor. And I felt safer there than I do in Los Angeles. And because the, this idea, again, but this is the kind of narrative that's an ugly narrative. Yes. Okay. And this is an actually racist perspective. I'm not calling you a racist. I'm saying the perspective is racist. Because you're saying, because there was a history that happened to those. Senegal is where most African-Americans descend from West Africa, Senegal, those areas, Senegal, literally there's an island off of Senegal, which was where the slave trade was conducted. It's still there. There's a museum there for the slave trade, right? And so most African-Americans are descended from West Africa. And the culture of African-Americans over the last four centuries is remarkably different from the culture of West Africa. And West Africans will say that, right? Because they had a different historical legacy of what happened to them. So that, that's, that I think is a fair thing. And other people are sort of making jokes is like, you know, am I saying Putin made him do it? The whitey made him do it? No, I'm saying Malcolm X said that we have created a cultural pattern in this society that originated from slavery and it is up to black people to end it. He didn't say, he didn't say, you, he literally was saying, he was like, get white people out of the conversation. He said, he wouldn't say Putin made him do it. He said, you, your own low self-esteem made you do that. Now be a man and stop acting like that. He wouldn't even bring white people into the conversation. He said, yeah, that's a system. Yeah, those are the historical origin system. White people ain't going to fix it. We are going to fix it. And a lot of people, that's actually empowering. That's empowering. Tell them, black man, you don't have to blame nobody. Yes, you were born into this thing. You have all these cultural things that have been pushing you since childhood to have this kind of stuff. You can opt out and regain your human dignity as a human being, right? That was his message. And that's a message that's been distorted because people are saying he's blamed the white man. No, he, he said, yeah, this is the historical process. And we have to walk out of it. Right. You have to take responsibility for where you're at and how to change it. It's sort of, uh, you can't, I don't know. It doesn't matter if you're talking about 
like a group of people or a cultural thing that's happening within a group of people, or if you're talking about a personal relationship, like this couple that's in the news, you know, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith, it, however you got there, like you need to, you have to figure out where you're at, take responsibility for changing it. I've learned this lesson the hard way. Mm -hmm. I don't always, it's like, I want this to change. This isn't a good situation, you know, but I'm going to wait and kind of hope that it something gets better or try to, there's this Eckhart Tolle quote mm -hmm. that I, um, it really st stood out to me a few years ago and it stuck with me. And I know, I know he's like new age and some people don't Whatever, like it's all, He with. helped, he helped me a lot. Um, yeah, he, it was just, go with what works. As long yeah. as it's working, go with it. When it doesn't work, don't go with it. Oh, Cameron, I have a, there's a commenter in the chat sometimes. His name is Eckhart Trolley, which I love. <laughs> At least he's not. Okay, that's a sophisticated. I, I hope you're there. Come, please come and make some. Please, if you're here, Eckhart Trolley. Anyway, he had this quote. He said, uh, it was something like, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, if you're unhappy with a situation, it's up for you to either change it or leave it. But if you don't do one of those things, then you have to accept it. You can't just, you can't stay in it and then complain about it and want it to be different all the time. You either have to make peace with it if you're staying in it, accept it and stay there, or you have to change it or leave. And I And also I all you do is change yourself. See, what the woke are yeah. trying to do is they're all these social narratives that they feel are not being accepted by society. So they want to ram it down your throat and control your ability to use language. And so that you, so you can't even talk in the way they don't want you to talk. It's not going to work. If you feel that an XYZ group is being discriminated against, stop your own discrimination first. That's the hardest. That's what Jesus said. Look at the moat in your own eye, right? I mean, look at, you know, look at the plank in your own eye. We talk about somebody else, right? That's the part that the woke don't want to do. They're all about lecturing and hectoring. And let's bring it back to Will Smith because, oops, almost fell on my chair. Okay. I'm getting excited here. So. Do you remember Remember a few years ago, the Oscar so white thing? Hmm? That was the whole thing. There are not enough black people nominated. And then they went, Academy was like, you're right. Oh, my God, you're right. We're going to put all these minorities in, in the Academy, blah, 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 right? Okay. You know who started that? Will Smith. Wow. That I remember Will Smith was so offended uh, that year. And again, he I don't know how offended he was. He was going for PR because it got him in the news. It got him in the trades. It made him a spokespeople, a spokesman for black people, right? And he's like, this is unacceptable. He started Oscars So White. And now he wins his Oscar and he degrades himself and makes himself look like a violent, angry thug, which is exactly what white racists imagine him to be, right? His whole race to be. He... I mean, this is God's full, literally, like this guy did the, did this whole a thing. A social and, justice uh, thing, yeah. And he's revealed to be a thug at heart, right? And Chris Rock, a man of great dignity, a black man, you know, withstood assault in front of a billion people and went on with the show, right? So, and the funny thing is, Chris Rock is the one that has been criticizing, like Dave Chappelle, Rock, Chris Rock has criticized the hypocrisy of these social justice movements. And look who handled himself with dignity in this situation, who didn't. Yes. That's amazing. We didn't even talk about the fact, and we don't have to, but mm -hmm. this is this is interesting for me at a different level because I I worked with Chris Rock. We we um, executive produced a TV show together, and uh, he's it, anyway. Whatever my personal thoughts about the man, whatever I will agree with you. He carried himself very well, and he handled it very well. And I I think you know he's a consummate pro. 
in that regard. And he's going to get, I saw people were saying that some of the people that thought it was staged, they were like, well, why wasn't Will Smith arrested? And it's like, okay, first of all, this is Hollywood. Some animals are more equal than others. It's not like this happened at a convenience shop where, you know, this is, they're not, the cops aren't going to bust in there and arrest Will Smith and Chris Rock is not pressing charges. And that also makes sense. Of course, he's not going to press charges. No, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna handle the he went apologized to Jada that night, right? Directly yeah. to her face, right? He's gonna handle this with class because at least that's you know, again, you've worked with him personally. However, these people are in their personal lives, that's certainly the persona he's he's gonna project and use for his career now. Yes. Yeah, I think I think he handled it like the, the best way you could handle it. So I wanna now I wanna I wanna talk about uh, now that this has become a, the big talking point of the day. Uh everybody's all these different reactions i've seen some people on the right are saying that this was a you know cancel culture on behalf of will smith and then you know other people saying no on the right saying no will smith was defending you know his woman's honor i've seen people on the left saying saying will smith was defending his woman's honor like it hasn't become a right left thing yet but mm -hmm. it's about to, because everything now, the media turns it into a right-left thing. It becomes tribal. It's not tribal yet. It's about to get tribal, and we'll see where the sides fall. But right now, everyone's just sort of crossing. There's people like, I didn't know I would agree with that guy. And I didn't know. It's almost like when uh, Epstein didn't kill himself and everybody was in agreement. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's it's not partisan yet. But, uh, but Even however. Even that he didn't kill himself. Even Epstein agrees he didn't kill somewhere. Glad they got that body double. <laughs> I agree. I agree. That's funny. I didn't know you thought that. I think the same thing. Um, but so, so there is there is a social justice position developing. Okay, and mm -hmm. I just want to put up. Let's put up a couple of these examples. Cole, okay. maybe the social justice example number one. I promise you, it'll start self contradicting itself for many reasons. We'll talk about that because it's going to yes. implode now. Because they, they it's won't know implode. Yeah. Yes, because on the one hand, they don't support violence against women. However, they also say words are violence. Jokes you don't like are violence. So, and one, another one, they're like, a woman doesn't need a man to protect her, but a woman does. Yeah. So it's Yeah. So here's one. Uh, this is a, a tweet from Get Her Jade. And it says, Chris Rock's one joke, in quotes, was rooted in misogynoir. Misogynoir? Misogynoir? Is that like black misogyny? Is that yes. a that's intentional. Yeah, yes, that's a word. That's craftsmanship. I got to give it. That's a good word. Well, no, that that word's been around for a while. Social justice really? people coined this word several years ago. Wrong. Yeah, they're trying to make right. it a thing. Yeah, okay, that's that's an aidless fake word. I like it. <laughs> it was rooted in misogynoir. <laughs> texturism. Now that's a new one for me. Texturism and ableism. Skin in texture. Is oh, skin that's it. Hair tech. Hair tech. Hair texture. Maybe it's Maybe. hair texture. Yeah. Okay. And texture. ableism. Ableism. Now the ableism is because she uh, is bald. She has a condition which makes her bald. So they're saying it's ableist to make a so joke. This ability rather than a cosmetic. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. I'm going with it. Degrading a black woman in a room full of her peers on live TV. The fact that y'all don't see that as violent is beyond me. Okay. Okay. So this so, person is is doing that thing I just mentioned where they're trying to equate words mm -hmm. that you don't like or jokes that you don't like, speech that you don't like with violence. I mean, it's just right out here in black and white. It's violent. Therefore, it justifies physical violence. That's what this argument is. 
Okay. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to put a link in, and and maybe we can we can put it in the chat. Hold on. I'm going to put a link in the private chat here to something that I want people to watch. It's just one minute, because that actually addresses everything about some of this stuff here. So you see okay. that link there? It's it's a it's a link for if you put that up there. Cool. You got it. Can you guys, Cole? Do you know how to do that? Can you get that? Yeah, he's going to grab it. There we so go. This is Hattie McDaniel winning Oscar for Best Supporting Actress uh, for for Gone with the Wind, the first Oscar any black person ever bet, nineteen forty. So if we watch this, just one minute, see her, see how, how this set moment, it's just one minute of her, when she won and what she said and how she Especially happy her. that I'm chosen to present this particular plaque. To me, it seems more than just a plaque of gold. It opens the doors of this room, moves back the walls, and enables us to embrace the whole of America, an America that we love, an America that almost alone in the world today recognizes and pays tribute to those who give their best, regardless of creed, race, or color. It is with the knowledge that this entire nation will stand and salute the presentation of this plaque that I present the Academy Award for the best performance of an actress in supporting roles during 1939, the Hattie McDaniel. Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Science, fellow members of the motion picture industry and honored guests. This is one of the happiest moments of my life. And I want to thank each one of you who had a part in selecting me for one of the awards. For your kindness, it has made me feel very, very humble. And I shall always hold it as a beacon for anything that I may be able to do in the future. I sincerely hope I shall always be a credit to my race and to the motion picture industry. My heart is too full to tell you just how I feel. And may I say thank you. God bless you. Wow. Wow. 82 years later, it still touches your heart. Wow. Yeah. That's now, so different than Will Smith's crying acceptance speech. But here's something else. You may not have noticed it. In the, the camera went to Vivian Lee and some of the other people's in there. This was a segregated ballroom. She was not allowed to sit with the other actors. Wow. In, in the Oscars. She was forced yeah. to sit in the black people section, right? And there weren't a lot of black people there, but she wasn't allowed, allowed to sit with Vivian Lee or Clark Gable under the hotel's policies. And this is how, we talk about violence towards a black woman. Mm. I mean, she got up there and she wasn't even allowed to sit because she wasn't an equal human being with her co-stars in the world that she lived in. And she still got up and did this incredibly moving, heartfelt statement, you know, that still resonates 82 years later, right? Yeah. We single-handedly shook America in that moment because that was something that entered our subconscious, how shameful that is, how deeply yeah. shameful that is. And her dignity in that moment makes the shame greater. Her dignity and her grace, yeah. It's just, and then to walk back and sit in the black people section Yeah. yeah. after that. But she set in motion in that moment. She set in motion many of the events that would happen afterwards. You know, the civil rights movement is always was always building. There's no one moment, but that is certainly a massive flash because a black woman winning the first Oscar, the Oscar been around for 10 years at this point. They were a big deal by then, right? And she can't sit with Vivian Lee. That's why they went to the camera with Vivian Lee sitting, and then they went to other white people. The camera went to the they wouldn't show the black section, right? Wow. 
And so, so that's, this is what began and this is what Will Smith disgraced. Yeah. He disgraced it. Absolutely. And the people, the, the tweet that you sent out here disgraces what real violence, segregation is real violence. You have to sit there. If you if she got up and tried to move to the white people table, they would have tackled her. The guards would have dra dra dragged her out of that ballroom, which is what they did not do with Will Smith when he does a physical assault. Right? That's violence. Right? Yeah. That's imprisonment. She couldn't get up. She could only get up when they gave her the award and sit right back down where you belong. Because it's by force, by threat of force, threat of force. I, yeah. I don't think I think Vivian Lee and Clark Gable would have been happy to have her sit with them, but she couldn't, and they didn't come to her defense. Yeah. You know, before I didn't know what clip you were going to show me, and before it got emotional when it first started, I was thinking somebody needs to do a comedy mashup where you take one of these really beautiful, elegant speeches from the Oscars mm -hmm. back then, and you you cut it with Will Smith slapping one of them <laughs> just to show you how far the difference, just yeah. that contrast of like, also what eloquent language yeah. that that we used to use. We, we, not me, but we, t I tear up, we tear up watching it. It's yes. heartfelt. There's no, his Will Smith crying afterwards on when he gets his award. I don't even think he was faking that. He was, you know why he was crying? Because he realized he, he screwed up. Yes. It was pure narcissism. I'm crying because I messed up my moment. Right. Yes. And he realized that she's crying because she realized what she has done for hundreds of millions of human beings in that moment. Yeah. So different. Thank you for showing me that. That's amazing. That was like that. That's the cherry on today's Sunday. So I'm a good co-host. I made it. <laughs> yes. Always interrupt me with fun stuff like that. I, I love it. Okay. Now back to the horrible things. Let's go to, <laughs> let's go to example number two, Cole, of uh, the it. social justice take on what we're supposed to take away from last night. Okay. This is oh, a good track mark. She is, yeah, she's a she's a big sort of like she's like the modern day um, Cisco Niebert. Okay, she's I didn't know who she was. She's a, a person. Yeah, she's a blue check mark on Twitter. Grace Randolph. She says Will Smith wins Best Actor. He is still clearly very shaken by what was said about Jada. Wow, he's shaken about a joke. What about being shaken by being physically assaulted on stage. Okay. He's still clearly very shaken by what was said about Jada, his choice to stand up for her and the abuse that goes on today of public figures, people of color and more. He will surely speak on this more all week as will others. Wow. Yeah, that's Grace just being woke white woman. I've, yeah. I've noticed some of the, the wackiest takes on this are coming from white women, right? You know, I've gone to Twitter. I'm not on Twitter, but I just watch it, right? And I, I'm on Twitter. I'm watching black women say how they found this disgraceful. And then white women chiming in and saying, well, you've internalized your racism. And, uh, and, it's like, <laughs> it's like, and it's like, who are you to lecture these black women who are giving their authentic feelings yes. about how this made them feel as a black woman, right? I mean, it's these right. white women, man, these white women out of control, man. These white women, it's what it's what it's what Dave Chappelle said, you know. <laughs> these are the ones that not they're not just the white guy was driving the car, but who was who was reading the map for him? It was a white woman sitting next to her. <laughs> I mean, it's like we're gonna go this way, honey. <laughs> Let's run over some black people. <laughs> yeah, Riv Rascal says in the chat, woke white women are wretched. I like the alliteration. Alliteration always wins with me. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, and then Cole, let's bring up the third one. Speaking of, uh, well, this is actually, this is a, I forgot about this one. 
this has since been deleted. This is a tweet from Representative Ayanna Presley, and she tweeted a picture of herself bald with her husband, and she says, Alpecia Nation, stand up. Thank you, Will Smith. Shout out to all the husbands who defend their wives living with alopecia in the face of daily ignorance and insults. Women with baldies are for real. Men, men only, only boys need not apply. Um, anyway, she deleted this, okay. obviously, because people were it didn't like, go the way she wanted. It did yeah. not go the way she wanted. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah, stand up. What? And then this last one. Uh, this is the one I was thinking of, Cole, this this last one. This is a black woman, but she's giving social justice marching orders mm -hmm. to woke white women. Mm -hmm. Oh, not that one, Cole. It's it's the last one in the social justice examples. There you go. Translation. Well, that, I translated it for you, but let's scroll down. I want to read what she said. Go through the original and it was your translation. Okay. Yeah. Dear white friends. Okay. You, can you read it? Sure. Can this is the exam you all have been preparing for. You've read White Fragility, Between the World and Me. I don't know anybody's read those books. And followed every black social justice activist on IG and Twitter. Final exam, how to stay in your lane 101, a cultural ethnography. As it pertains to Will Smith hitting Chris Rock at the Oscars, I should A, get on social media and declare how much respect I've lost for Will Smith. B, post funny, aka casually racist memes about the incident and then defend myself when people call me out on my trifling behavior. C, exercise my God-given right to remain silent and understand that although I witnessed this moment on live TV, I should refrain from partaking in a public discourse layered with cultural and intra-racial complexities that I do not understand and cannot speak on. Part of divesting from white supremacy includes a sensitivity to recognize when my voice is not relevant and the moment does not belong to me. D, none of the above. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't think anybody got past the first sentence on C. Okay. <laughs> C, C is that my translation of this, we don't have to read my translation. I'll just tell you what it is. This is the, it's, it's basically like, okay, woke white women. Now's your chance to put into practice what we've indoctrinated you yes. with in this belief system, which is as a white person, you don't get to have an opinion because of your race. Your mm -hmm. race prevents you from not only understanding but from expressing yourself, from even holding an opinion, that is the most racist thing to say. You don't get to be an individual with a working mind and your own ability to come up with an opinion or 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 to articulate that opinion or try to talk about it with others. You don't get to do that. Why? Because of your skin color. And then, you know, when white women, woke women see this, this, this kind of stuff gets posted in all these social justice groups I'm in. All the white women fall in line. All of them. They're all like, yeah, you know, I'm remaining silent. Kind of <laughs> well, I don't know the ones that are remaining silent because they seem to be, have a lot to say about this, right? Right. Well, I don't, uh, well you know, this is, this is just this effort to change people through words, which does not work, right? You know, through controlling language. You don't change what's inside somebody's character by not letting them express. That is why the founders understood the importance of the First Amendment, because the only way civilization can progress is that people should be allowed not only to hold beliefs that are different, but to be able to express those beliefs, right? That's why it's the First Amendment, because they understood that's the salvation of the human condition, right? If you're not allowed to express your beliefs, they fester. They get worse. 
you know, if people can't say what they feel and have a discourse and maybe even have their opinion challenged and maybe even think maybe I didn't know more uh, about that. Maybe I should have thought more about that. If they can't have that discourse, then uh, opinions solidify and they turn eventually to anger and they turn to violence. Yes, you're right. They turn to actual violence. Mm -hmm. I'm going to yeah. do a couple of super chats now. I think we're only I think we're only behind on two. Let's see. Matt Decker. Hello, sir. Matt says uh, Jada has broken will. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the case. I mean, I think look, who knows what really goes on in these people's lives? Certainly, the public persona that they put out of their marriage is not a healthy one. You know, it. You know, I've heard all kinds of other rumors that this isn't even a real marriage. I mean, I've all heard stories from people in Hollywood that none of this is even even the public persona is to cover up their real activities, which neither of them is actually interested in the other. For you can assume the reasons, right? Uh, and so. Even that is like, well, dude, why would you put this as your persona? It's a pretty bad persona for a marriage. If that's your yeah, fake cool. one, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, Cole put up a meme. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a it's a, it's a fresh Prince of Bel Air meme. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want a little fight about my wife's lost hair. She said, "You better slap Chris, or I'm having an affair." <laughs> that was the kind of rap he was doing in the, in the early '90s. And there there was at least one good jokester who put out there who literally said, "You know, uh, he's gonna be, he's gonna be sent to live with his uncle Phil in Beverly Hills because he got into a fight, right?" Oh yeah. <laughs> Bel Air is going to send to look at his uncle Bill Bel Air. Mystery Chris, uh, Mystery Chris finally tweeted something. By the way, you guys, if you like the Wednesday night show with Mystery Chris, he's now on Twitter. I think he's done two tweets. You can follow him at MC Mystery Chris. Um, go tell him to tweet more, but he tweeted something. He said, the Bel Air experiment has failed. <laughs> you know, he's going back to Philly. Yeah. Um, I'll fight you naked. Thank you, sir. Says, I would turn Will Smith into mush with the mic stand. Well, it's a good thing Chris Rock did not do that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, he Chris Rock had every right to defend himself, you know, and, you know, I'm taking martial arts classes. My instinct probably would have been to block the blow, right, and to immediately strike. I'm glad that would not have been gone well for me either. So I'm glad he didn't do that. Oh, wow. This is a long one. Thank you, Valley Cat. Oh, that, yeah. Valley Cat gave us $20 super chat and says, when you were describing the dragon analogy, it reminded me of a book I read to my children called There's No Such Thing as a Dragon by Jack Kent. The family denies its existence until they can't because it took their house. Valley Cat, that's the book I'm talking about. Uh, Jordan Peterson talks about that book a lot and he uses it as an illustration for addressing the things that remain unaddressed, the things that fester in a home or between spouses or between friends that don't get talked about until they become so big, they take the whole house away with them. Uh, well, but yeah, that's I, the book. I remember looking at Hollywood, remember the last year during the uh, election oriented violence that we had in the summer, right? Uh, you know, we, if you recall, some of the, some of the uh, Antifa types were out there you know, pulling down statues of George Washington, of Abraham Lincoln, right? You know, pulling all this stuff down. And, you know, and somebody pointed out, they they went to, uh, uh, who, who is who is the British comedian, not The Daily Show, the other, I'm blanking on the gentleman's name. Uh, John Oliver. British, John Oliver. So they, they somebody pointed out, John Oliver had a year before uh, when Trump had said, where, when you're taking down statues of General Lee and these Confederate figures, 
will it will end he said with with taking down statues of abraham lincoln and george washington and thomas jefferson and john oliver did this whole skit on his show mocking him saying that's never going to happen you know what because you know it's just you're making up this face this whole to pre preserve these racist statues you're making up this thing that's never going to happen laughing at him and a year later it's happening right the dragon takes over the house because that's what you know ultimately people who don't want to acknowledge history will never stop because guess what George Washington and Trump even said this George Washington was a slave owner Jefferson yeah. was a slave owner he had lots of kids with his slave he didn't free them right and so there's all a bunch of black people descended from George Wa from from Thomas Jefferson today there's a whole society of them you know of Thomas Jefferson descendants right were black right and so but that's the reality of it does that take take away from George what George Washington and Thomas Jefferson did you know in a flawed world, they still advanced it forward morally in ways that were remarkable and remain remarkable. And so erasing the history, you're going to go back in time, you're going to erase everybody. You're going to yeah. erase everybody. Yeah. That's, that, I think that's the ultimate goal, though. It, a lot yes, of people so. who are foot soldiers for this mm -hmm. belief system, this ideology that I was in, the woke ideology, they don't really know what the goal is. They're just useful tools. Because they're, they're in the moment. They're in the moment yes. of the emotion. Yes. But the goal is to erase history because that's that's Marxism. That's yeah. eventually the only history exists is Marxian dialectic, right? Nothing else exists, right? And yes. so that becomes the religion. And so you have to erase all history except the Maoist ideology you're being fed, which is what Mao did. He erased all of Chinese history. He, he went and destroyed 10,000 years of Chinese wisdom, you know? Yeah. It's all about destruction. And, it, and it's amazing because when you're in it, when you're caught up in it, as you said, that's a great way of putting it. They're not even thinking down the road. They're just in the moment every day. What's the current outrage? What's the thing? And, you know, it's it's every day, wake up, find the systemic oppression. Even if you can't see any, then you have to find it in, um, you know, a, a, a TV show or you have to find it in a cereal box or whatever it is that day. It's like. This is racist, and here's yeah, why. I see a black seven. woman, Aunt Jemima. Right. This must be a slave woman, right? No, it's actually a very successful black entrepreneur woman that's on the cover that became a huge national model, made a lot of money on this, right? And she wasn't, you know, only you and your racism things. I see a black woman. It must be a mammy-type figure, right? Yeah. A slave woman. That, that's not even true, and her face is gone. You know, Land O'Lakes, the Native American that we all knew, the lovely Native American woman that represents the, the, the original settlers of this land, gone. You don't see her gone. face anymore. They've you removed know. her. Well, just yeah. like, okay, so you were mentioning, um, what's her name? Hattie McDonald? Hattie McDaniel. Yes. McDaniel. Hattie McDaniel. Okay. First black woman to win the Academy Award. Mm -hmm. And then what did the woke do the past few years? They scrubbed Gone with the Wind yeah, from lots of different it's streaming racist. services. Yeah. It's racist. And I'm like, look. You know, they made that movie to address where America was in 1930s, right? And it, it differs from the book. I mean, the book is incredible. I'm a big fan of the book. But the book is very much written. Margaret Mitchell writes the book in the 1930s from the perspective of survivors of the Civil War, who she interviewed, right? And this was how they saw things. And they very much did not, they didn't see slavery as this incredibly evil system. They didn't. And they think did think that the war was unjust towards them. Hmm. that's how they thought that's how those characters think so you have to understand there's more there's there's more racially advanced thinking in the movie gone with the wind than there is the book right mm -hmm. which embraces it and the book is one of the greatest books ever written because the characters are authentic right this is how they think 
you know, they're the defeated people in the war who thought it was unfair that they got defeated. So that's an authentic character. You have to understand it. If you pretend it's not there, again, suppressing it will make it go away. Just suppressing it. Yeah. Deleting things. Um, one more super chat. Thank you, Silverlock, for the 10 bucks. It's a good show. Well, thank you very much. We're trying our hardest, even with the dog problems. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was another, it's not a super chat, but I saw something in the chat that I wanted to put on the screen. Um, oh, it was just this one. It's funny. Here we go. Maurizio says, ready for the 2024 pandemic. <laughs> they may try it. I don't think it's going to work again. They'll try other stuff, right? I think this one woke a lot of people up. I don't think they're good. the problem is it's like, it's like it's like the movie The Matrix. You can't once you once you once you wake up, you can't go back to sleep no matter how you try, right? True, you can't. Matt Deckard says uh, Cameron looks ready for GI Jane three. Don't hit me. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm a ball guy. Look, you know, I I should say I've got close relatives who are who have alopecia. Uh, you know, very close relative of mine. She started losing her hair when she was a teenager. It was very incredibly. She wears wigs now. Incredibly, incredibly traumatic. I witnessed it. Very painful, heartbreaking. 13, 14 year old girl going to junior high and losing hair on a massive wow. level. You can imagine that, right? Uh, it is. It is. It is. A, it's a. It's a terrible thing. And for women, a lot of their sense of beauty and self identity is linked to hair, right? Right, uh, more so than for men. I mean, I'm okay with being bald. I used to, I used to have like a lion's mane. I used to have like rock star hair, glowing you know, <laughs> rock star hair, and it's gone now. It's okay. But my self esteem is linked to that. To the, the relatives of mine who have alopecia, it is very painful for them. So I don't deny that. I also know that. Let's say that that really did hurt Jada Smith. Let's go there for a second. That really did hurt her, humiliated her. It wasn't just her PR, right? That way to handle. Even if Will Smith got on stage, the way to handle that would be come up and say, "So Chris, I'm you know." I just want to let you know you hurt my wife's feeling. Can you just apologize? This, do the reverse Kanye. Take the mic from him. And Chris was ready for that. He was laughing and welcoming me up, thinking that's what it was, right? Because mm -hmm. remember, you saw Chris is like, oh, he's coming on. Yeah. Up, come on. Yeah. And so, and the correct thing to do is, you know, I, I know it's a joke, but you actually hurt my wife's feeling. She's suffering from alopecia. There's millions of people watching, and there's some people out there who are suffering from it. If you could just kind of, you know, just say sorry for that and then walk back off stage. That would have handled it with grace and dignity, and Chris would have handled it with grace and dignity. He's like, you know what, you're right. I shouldn't have said that. Next joke, move on, right? And people would have learned something about it, right? But that wasn't the way he chose to handle it. And he could have handled it that way, and it would have been better for both of them. Or he could have sat there. I think he felt, I think he felt called out because he was I, laughing I, at first. He yes, could have yes. sat there stony faced mm -hmm. the way. Do you remember Trump when uh, during the White the White House press correspondence dinner the year that oh. Obama was joking was on roasting him. him yeah he was, was like, roasting him and they I, cut to him in the audience and everyone else is dying laughing he's like yeah and he's like i get, <laughs> get revenge on you which he did so <laughs> yeah, he could have just done that when they cut to will smith he's not laughing because you just made a joke about my wife so it's just like dead yeah you know i i, I have said this. i have said this that this was in my opinion this was a combination of my my oh, oh god my wife Give me this look. Oh, you're laughing at me? You're laughing at me? I'm being made fun of in front of a billion people. I'm laughing at me? I got to go. And then the other thing that activated, I mean, I'm sorry, the personal pathologies of his, whatever his relationship is with her and the ang submitted anger of that. And the other thing that we shouldn't forget, he's an actor. So he said, this is my moment to be dramatic. Maybe in that moment, he thought, I'm going to look like the champion. I'm Zorro coming in to save the damsel in distress. And there are people that see it that way. So at least for them, that worked. But he, in my opinion, he was being an actor in that moment. He wanted the attention. It just got uglier than he realized. And had he not, had he, even the slap, he just shut his mouth. 
but then he goes off cursing multiple times on live television. It it added to this ugliness that can't be redeemed. And I think he didn't realize how out of control it had gotten. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cameron, do I do you have a few more minutes? Could we have no, one no, more no, topic? Yeah, absolutely. Let's see if okay. we can jump into it. I'm gonna switch gears here. Uh because I want to talk about this. I've mentioned this before in previous episodes. If you guys have been following the channel, you've heard me talk about this. And by the way, if you're here for the first time, this is a new channel. So hit subscribe. Um, like. So hit like all the things. Yeah. So there's a there's a there's lots of these groups. I'm in a group on Facebook for parents of transgender kids because mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. appreciate seeing what they're telling one another and the kind of advice they're giving, it's a real wake up call for me about where we're at with this yes. whole trans cult part of the social justice ideology. And it's, it's, there's thousands of parents in there. It's mm -hmm. a crazy orthodoxy. All they, they're only allowed to have one reaction to their, their children deciding that they're trans or non-binary and that's to fully embrace support, start you pushing. Yeah. Back, tell them. Do you want, are you, are you ready for hormones? Are you ready for medical? Yes. Yeah. Be proactive, I guess. Yes. And there are so many disturbing things in there. I don't even, I could do a whole, I mean, I could just pull out one a day. Yeah. And when I post some of these people are like, that's not real. I'm like, it is real. Mm -hmm. It is unfortunately real. And it, it's even, it's even more sad seeing the way that these parents are being counseled by the other parents in the group in the orthodoxy that I'm talking about. Cole, can you pull up this, this last tweet, the one that says new topic? Um, so this is one of the moms in that group. And, the, and this was just from this week. So she posted in the group and said, hi all, my 13 year old trans F to M. So female to male. It's a female girl to male. says I'm a boy. Okay, I understand. Right, so, so 13 year old daughter who says she's a boy. My 13 year old trans, FTM still wears very girly clothes, i.e. skirts, blouses, heels, etc. The general practitioner is doing a referral to Tavistock, but my my son has been told by her and the early help worker have told him that he needs to live fully as a male in order to be able to be accepted to start the transition process. He's looking at clothes online as he doesn't want the usual boys clothes i.e. Fortnite and Minecraft, et cetera, which I get. But he thinks this picture below, you can scroll down, Cole, picture below is masculine. Um, scroll back up just a little so I can finish that sentence, sorry, is masculine. And I don't know how to tell him it's not. Any advice would be great. Thanks in advance. And then there's two pictures here for anyone just listening. Two pictures. Um, I actually really like this outfit. It, it is pretty feminine it's it's sort of androgynous but it's it's more feminine than masculine it's, kind of like sith. it's like it's it's like a sith lord kind of like you know yeah <laughs> yeah it's like it's like a jedi versus a sith i like it yeah it's like steampunk i would totally wear this it looks fun but but let's just translate what this mom is saying she's saying my 13 year old daughter a biological a girl personal preference she she said she's a boy but now she's still dressing like a girl out of her own choice and now everyone's telling her well if you're a boy you can't do that what? Yes. She's telling her because she wants the daughter to be able to start the medical transition at 13 in order to get the medical transition. She has to be living fully as a male. And the mom is like, these clothes are too girly. How do I so get my the child is sending a signal? I don't want to do this anymore, mom. I don't want to do yes. this anymore. 
I'm being pressured by, she doesn't know how to verbalize it because at 13, you don't understand peer pressure, but she's, her, her actions are revealing. I don't want to, I don't want to play this role anymore, mom. Yeah. I've just started my, I've started, I'm a woman. I've started ovulating. I'm 13, whatever. I'm a girl. I've started liking boys. And I've been saying I'm a boy for the last couple of years because that was what everyone in school said, because I, I was, I was, maybe I was a tomboy and I liked, you know, playing soccer and, now I don't want to do this anymore, but this is the only way she has to express this, which is choice of clothing to stop yes. this. And yes. she's not allowed to stop this now. Yes. Thank you. You, I, this frustrated me so much because I think it's there's, heartbreaking. it's heartbreaking. There's so much of the Munchausen by proxy in this. It's all where the, are, the whole generation is Munchausen by proxy. These parents are doing it. I mean, yes. It's really horrific. They're doing it for social validation, for yeah. virtue signaling, for likes. It's, it's horrific. And the kid says, I don't want to do this anymore. You can't. You have to go along with this. And I'm going to tell you how trans you are. I'm going to tell you how trans you are. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it rips me apart to see this. There's no one in this parents group who, who ever questions the ideology. And there's no one to tell. This mother's in a group asking this of other trans women who are in the same or, or parents of trans kids quote unquote trans kids who are in the same ideology. And so there's no one to say your daughter's 13, maybe let her continue figuring things out and be a kid yeah. and back off of this, having to push her into maleness. And this, I mean, but see, this, the ideology requires it be done now because this is where they, if they shut down the hormones. Now they can physically, scar her for life and prevent her from later when she's 18. Well, I'm, I'm actually, I want to be a woman, right? Well, I can't have kids anymore because the hormones over the last five years and the surgery have ruined my ability to actually have children. That's the actual thing they need. The system needs to push these kids to do it as children to permanently end their reproductive abilities. That's yes. what's really happening here. This is a, this is a depopulation plan. Yes. I'm going to describe two other disturbing things I saw this week, not in this parents group, but just online related to this. I don't know if you saw them. I'm not going to put the pictures up. I'm just going to tell you one was a, a mother who tweeted a picture of a party of, of the refreshments she was serving at this party for her daughter, getting her breast removed, a mastectomy, double mastectomy. And it was pictures. She had made cookies that looked like breasts. There were little pink dollops in the middle for the nipples. And she had one plate of cookies that said before. And then she had another plate of cookies that said after. And she had added red icing to show the incision marks on the breast cookies. And she had a big cake in the center of the table. And it said, yeet your teats. Like cut off your breasts. That's what that yeah, means. I mean, it's satanic. What you're describing is satanic. I mean, it's it's, yes. it's it's demonic. It's not human behavior. It's not behavior that that is that is evolved human behavior. It's not from the human condition. There's something external entering the mind when you do that. That's not a naturally evolved. Nat even if you believe in natural selection, it's not a naturally selected way of looking at the world. It's not how it works. This is something that's not human. What you're describing. I agree. It's it it's it's so disturbing, and it's becoming so accepted in society that this mom thought it was a good idea to share it on social media. Very proud of this party. She was throwing her little girl who just got the double. And when that little girl later is feeling bad about it. Mom would be like, do you know what you're doing to me? Do you know how this makes me look? Yes.
Now, you know, you have to commit to this. Do you know how shame, how sh ashamed I am now when she starts backing away? You yeah. know, I, I actually, it's interesting for me. I mean, there is, um, because I, I like to bring up religion and I like to share people from my faith, which people don't know a lot about. So there's a very simple verse in the Quran that to me just handles this whole thing. It's actually referring to the Virgin Mary, to her at her birth. Within both the Christian and the Muslim tradition, the Virgin Mary's birth was, was actually uh, miraculous. She wasn't, it wasn't that she didn't have a, a father, it was that she was born. The, the Immaculate Conception actually refers to the Virgin Mary. And the idea exists in both Christianity and Islam. That she oh, was I never heard that. Yeah, the Immaculate Conception is not for Jesus. Jesus is a is a is a miraculous conception is that he does not have a biological father, right? In both of our religious traditions, that is true. Uh, you know, it is, but the Mary is born without any sin, and she's completely clean, right? Which allows her to be the vessel through which Christ can then enter, right? Uh, so that's the immaculate conception. But in the biblical story and in the Quranic story, what happens is that Mary's uh, parents were like the same story, you know, Isaac and you know Abraham and old, where they're old and they're not able to have kids, and they pray, and Mary is. Wow, you know, the, the mother becomes pregnant at an older age than is normally possible, and it's a miracle, right? And then they dedicate their baby that's going to come to become a priest in honor of God. But then the baby is born a female, right? So in the Quranic story of it, uh, when the child is born, and the parents have already dedicated the child to the temple, right? In the Quranic story, uh, the, 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 the parents cry out in surprise, uh, Lord, we promised this child to you, but it's born a woman and the chronic response is and god knows because the male is not as the female mm. god knew and god intentionally made marry a woman and then she would be dedicated to his service in a different way that's even bigger than what the parents had imagined for her right mm -hmm. uh, and so but that simple statement and it's coming from god himself saying and god knew what he had created that he had made her female and the male is not as the female Yes. There's no reason for that extra verse to be added, except to make the point. God knows, and he intentionally has made the male and the female. Different. He made them, he made them God, he made them male and female. I, I will I do see people in the chat disagreeing, and I, I want to acknowledge that. Yeah, in in my I guess what am I? I guess I'm Protestant. It was non-denominational, but we don't believe that Mary was sinless. Okay. Um, I probably need to read more about this. I'm still a newbie. So, um, but I appreciate hearing you telling me that this is the, this is what Catholics believe and this is what. And so a lot of people who that. call themselves Christians have had this idea and is, and it is, we in Islam, we don't have the concept of original sin. So no one is born with sin, but there is this idea that after a child is born to earth, uh, that the devil then comes and puts the first dot of stain right in it right it's not born that way but then the devil appears after birth uh and so and there's a an islamic story about how y the young prophet muhammad is just a boy is running around and and these angels come and they open up his chest and they clean his heart right uh but the idea is in the islamic story neither mary nor jesus ever the devil wasn't even able to put the little dot in right he wasn't able to do it but so it was a very similar story to what christians in the seventh century believe when islam rises and so now the modern protestants will say that's not real authentic christianity mm -hmm. i'm not going to debate what christianity is you're a christian you you, you oh yeah me. well i just i just like hearing what other people's beliefs are so thank you yeah. no we don't believe yeah murder nits this is more of like what we believe so in fact she says we believe that jesus is sinless yes so um in fact, my preacher gave a mm -hmm. sermon around Christmas time about um, it was sort of centered around the idea that um, that Mary was this average girl and what that meant to pick an average girl who was mm -hmm. also pure of heart and 
but but yeah, that's the first time I had heard that. So thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. But, but I brought that up is that you know within the Islamic tradition, there's in the Quran, there's a definitive statement where God states, and the male is not as the female. And the but male is not. But I want to give a corollary to that. Uh, Islam has always recognized the existence of hermaphrodites, which is, you know, 0.001% of the population is born with both genital organs, right? Uh, and it's always recognized because it's part of the human condition. God made them. And But the Islamic tradition is then there is a process by which you determine whether it's male or female. You classify it. If it's born with both sex organs, if it's born with both penis and vagina, which is a very small part, but it happens, right? Uh, the intersex, as they call them now in this LGBTQI, right? It's the intersex. They're born with that. Then, But it's not like you don't stay intersex. The idea is, well, you judge by is the, the penis larger than the vagina is the vagina i mean you physiologically judge what is the more prominent sex aspect of the of the hermaphrodite and then you classify it as male or female right and that's it for life right and then the hermaphrodite goes a woman marries a man right and that's how it goes the fascinating thing is and this will shock people like because the perception of islam and lgbtq is you know all these throw them off of roofs in pakistan there is a very deep and actually ancient hundreds of years old culture of trans, of hermaphrodites that are part of the culture. They're called hijras. And the idea is at weddings, it's a great honor to have a hijra come dance, right? And, oh, you know, I've heard yes. about this. Yes. And so yes. To, to bless your wedding, you have to come have hijras dance. So this was a way that even a conservative religious culture said, there are people that are different, right? Uh, and we're going to incorporate them and accept them. At the same time, not saying that this is mainstream or what everyone's got to be doing, right? Uh, you know, but there's a way to treat them with dignity in the culture and acknowledge their place in society at the same people time. People who are born at very small fraction. Yeah, yeah. and then and they, and you know, I've I've been to Pakistan. I've seen Hijras, right? You know, they're there. They're part of the culture, right? Uh, at the same time, people are, aren't wishing that their children be intersex, right? If this is what happens, then we're going to find a way to have them be in some ways even honored members of society because they're different, so they're not made to feel denigrated, right? Uh, right. But at the same time, it's not the ideal for how the civilization is going to work, right? Right. Well, I know even, you know, in the States, uh, mm -hmm. the way that intersex uh, babies, those that small fraction of a fraction of 1% of people born with both or, or part of both genitalia, they would do the same thing. The doctors would decide then during delivery, usually what to do. There's also this case, um, this was not a child who was born intersex, but Dr. Money, have you read about him? Dr. Money, I'm not familiar with Dr. Money. Oh gosh. He's he's one of the architects of all of this gender ideology. You should read about him. Hit the story of what he did to this little boy. Um, there was a Rolling Stone article written about it that I know the rights to the article uh, were optioned for a movie at one point by George Lucas. And they ended up walking away from it because then the trans issue went really big in the past few years and now they're not going to touch it. But his name was John Money and he did, he was a psychologist and a sexologist. Okay. He was not a medical doctor. Um, yes. There was this little boy the, who was born and they, during a, a delivery, there was some kind of accident where they ended up deciding to castrate him and to, to fix the, the problem. And this doctor doctor consulted with the mom and said, well, let's raise him as a girl because I want to do these experiments to prove that gender is a total social construct. It's all socially constructed. And yeah. if we tell him he's a girl and raise him as a girl, he will be a girl. And he was trying to prove it. He's the one that coined, I think it, the phrase gender identity might've come from yeah. him 
Okay. You guys refresh my my memory in this. Yeah, somebody says he was an abuser. He was an abuser. He he had um, David. His name was David. He had him engaged. David Reimer. He mm -hmm. forced him to simulate sexual acts on his brother. He engaged. He filmed it. He had all this like sexual play and these ideas about like socializing him as a girl and um, encouraging I, this I, kind I of this. Yes, okay. right. Yes, awful, awful. And anyway, they raised. David as a girl, but David always knew something was wrong and asked about it. And you guys, it's a horrible story, but you should know about it because a lot of the stuff that these people, these these woke white women who are pushing all this ideology in these groups, they don't even know where a lot of the ideology came from. And it came from this case and that David ended up committing suicide. Like, yeah. This guy was having pieces published and everybody was heralding him at the time as some mm -hmm. great researcher who was showing what the feminists were saying at the time, which is that is which is that gender is a total social construct. And they're like, look at this research. It's proving this. Um, oh, Twee Girl, you're right. I forgot about that. It wasn't just David. He and his twin brother committed suicide. Oh, okay. Yeah. Horrible story. Yeah, and I mean, that's just, where destroyed these kids' lives. Yeah, I mean, and that's where a lot of this came from. So, um, it's um, yeah. I mean, look, this is we're 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 this place where it isn't even about this stuff. Like I said, the trans people that I've met in real life just want to be left alone. Just want to be left alone. They they know they're different. They know that they you know that they want to dress differently. They want to be. They just want to be left alone. They don't want attention. They don't. They don't want to change the world. They just want to live their lives privately with dignity. Right? These activists are coming from some other place. They're not even coming from a transgender place. They're coming from a transhumanist place. Yeah. Right? It is not about to them. They're just using the transgender issue for a deeper thing, which is essentially to alter the human race itself and to alter yeah. it into something that we do not recognize and. This is this is not. We've had trans people throughout human history, all right. Just like we've had gay people throughout human history. This movement is about using them for something that has nothing to do with them, but something that is. If you look into transhumanism, it is beyond sinister. It is something you're like, no human being came up with this. This is something that something that is not human came up with this. Yeah, I think it comes from. I mean, I agree with you. I think it comes from a very dark place. I, I sometimes uh, I feel more comfortable now talking about this, but. I mean, people know this because they know my beliefs. Yes. I don't just think it's a cultural war we're in. I do think it's a spiritual war because I believe in the concept of a spiritual war. And so um, I understand some people can, because of their belief system or lack of or whatever, they can only see it as a cultural part. But I believe there's something deep, even if you want to call it like a soul thing or, or, or um, just a, a cultural a human. thing, I don't understand it. Because if it's just a cultural thing, None of this is is normal anthropological behavior, right? Mm -hmm. It's not. What we're watching here is not the way societies evolve. Even we don't. It's not even the way societies devolve, right? You know, this is something happening here that is not something that has happened in the human condition as far as we know from recorded history. Well, I mean, Rome fell apart because of a lot of things we're going through, but it, you know, and it had sexual licentiousness. It didn't have this because we didn't have the technology for this kind of stuff that we, yeah. where we can physically alter the human race. We can physically change its biological network. We can change its hormones. We can change its, you know, on the blood level, the DNA level. We didn't have that ability. We have something now and no one's ever pushed for something like this before. So you have to ask why are they pushing it? Because it isn't human. There's no rational ideology 
that even from a Marxian perspective that I can understand. So that's why I believe it is something that is coming from another realm. That's why, you know, I'm, yeah. we talk about the jinn, right? And the demons and invisible forces. I do believe that this is being motivated by something that is not coming from the human realm because it is about destroying humanity itself and changing it the is. Not that even the most corrupt guy in the Roman empire wouldn't have imagined this. Yes. Destroying something, destroying what makes us human, like destroying our, our uh, uh, in Christianity, or at least in my church a lot, my preacher talks a lot about how um, mm -hmm. the belief that man was created, if you believe in, in God, that man was created to be image bearer of God. And this is about, I think all of this cultural stuff, it's like, it's about desecrating desecrating your d divine nature as a human instead of being called to be the better the better part of your human condition of your human self to feed that good wolf inside of you if you want to talk about that old cherokee proverb you know you're yeah. being called to feed the evil wolf the dark wolf the the base side the base side of human nature and and yeah that's kind of that's the way i view it too tree surgeon says society is confronting its shadow mm-hmm that's yeah. a way to look at it. Well, it's, I mean, it's a shadow, but again, I, I would suggest this is beyond shadow because if you go back and you look at the Roman empire, Nero was out of control. Caligula was out of control, right? Even they wouldn't have imagined this. They wouldn't have yeah. imagined this. I mean, this is beyond no one, you know, Caligula is having his orgies. No one would have imagined that they would have organized society and convinced everybody to go down this path, you know, cut off your genitals, do this and that, men are women, women are men, right? They weren't, they were having fun doing their own parties and doing their own thing. They weren't trying, they recognize if you do this to society, the whole thing crashes. Yeah. Why, it doesn't work and why would anyone do it, right? Yeah. It, even our elites will crash, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, that's why I think, that's why when we look at the events of the last two years, all of it, it doesn't even make sense from the conspiratorial perspective of elites trying to, you, you know, Thin the herd of humanity and control the rest of it because it's going to destroy them. So what? who is motivating the direction we've been pushed in is destructive for all of humanity, including Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab and everybody else. Nobody's going to survive the world they're trying to set in motion. Nobody survives it. So no human how, being would want that. So who does want it? How do you deal with this on a daily basis as a, as a human being who believes this is a cultural war and a spiritual war? I ask you this because I see a lot of people... Um, some of whom are friends, sometimes spiraling into these depression places, which I completely understand. If you have your eyes opened, as you mentioned, to the matrix, you can't close them again. You can't go back in the matrix. And so how do you deal with that? Because it's it can be soul crushing for some people. And what's your yeah. approach? I mean, it's all on the level of how deep you're into it. I have a friend of mine who called me uh, a few weeks ago and talked to him a while. He and I went to business school together, you know, and he's going through a rough time. He can't, you know, he has... His eight-year-old and ten-year-old sons have now declared themselves to be non-binary, and he wants to be sympathetic and support them. And I'm like, where did they learn that term? Where did they learn that term? Did you teach it to them? I'm like, no. Have you thought maybe the teacher taught that to them? Maybe your eight-year-old child doesn't know what binary is. Your eight-year-old child can't even get an erection right now. So you're telling me he thinks he's non-binary, right? And he's like, well, I want to be supportive. I don't want them to commit suicide. I'm like, you don't start tell them what's up they'll be on a path that will be self-destructive for them as they when the realization that i got suckered into something when i didn't know anything as a child my family facilitated it this is not who i am and they won't let me go back that's where a lot of these suicides come from yeah the yeah. religion the entire life was a betrayal and the betrayal of the parent who abdicated 
to this this force, right? It's 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 you know, I literally can see in my mind's eye, you know, <laughs> some Canaanite idol <laughs> that's behind all of this, right? Yeah. I mean, it literally, I, I mean, that's what I'm seeing here, and they're they're all sacrificing their child their child to Baal. And they don't even realize that's what they're doing. No, they don't realize it. I mean, it's actually the lock and ball back again. <laughs> you know, yes. they don't even realize they're doing it. Yeah, their their uh, empathy is being manipulated. This this mm -hmm. threat of suicide mm -hmm. is being used to strike fear into their hearts and tell them if you're an empathetic parent, you're going to go along with this cult brainwashing of your children. No, I, I just said I asked when we were kids in the '80s, was this happening? Did you see people committing suicide? you know, and mass because they were misgendered. Why is it suddenly happening now? Just right. if humanity was asleep to it, we know it's because somebody is putting this idea out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, Mary says I'm with Cameron. It's totally demonic over 78 plus gender pronouns reminds me of the verse in the Bible referencing Christ casting out a demon. My name is Legion for we are many. Yes. I remember that. And didn't, didn't Jesus say, uh, didn't he cast them into his, a, a herd of pigs? Swine, and then they jumped into the, into the, they, into the sea. Yeah. yeah, they jumped into the sea. Um, can you, Cole, I know you pulled up one last news thing, and then we're going to wrap this up. Yep. This is related to what Mary just said about 75 plus genders. Pull up mm -hmm. that article that you found about there's a new, at Facebook, you know, there's always updates at the big social companies. There's now a list at ah, Facebook. Oh, my God. oh, no. This is from Facebook? Yeah, this is a list that Cole found of all the uh, different gender options on Facebook. You can be, okay. uh, how many, scroll down, how many options? There's 50-something options. Can you make it a little bit bigger so we can read some of these? So now if you're making a Facebook account, you can decide if you're agender, androgyne, androgynous, bigender, cis, yeah. cisgender, cisfemale, cismale, cismale, cisman, cis-woman, cisgender, female. Cis it just goes on and on and on. <laughs> Pangender trans. I mean, these trans. these poor these poor kids. These poor yeah. kids. They're being told all of this, and if they're told, well, I just I'm a boy that likes a girl. There's something wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. There's something wrong with you. You're just a girl that wants to be a girl. You're an oppressor. You yeah. know. And they throw in the Native American two spirit in there because they gotta, you know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. So, yeah. um, look, you know, this is at this point, you know, there's no other way to to live in this world except to, in my opinion and i know i've seen there's atheists in the chat and any others who maybe are uncomfortable with spirituality but you got us here right you got us too we're both believers in our own religions so you're gonna have to deal with it right and so in my opinion in my opinion there is no way out of this except personal spirituality there is no way out of this there's no way out of this except finding god again and whatever that means for you and there's buddhists that don't believe in god but they have spirituality but finding your spirituality relating to the cosmos as if we are more than matter Right, that 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 consciousness is real, that life is real, that the soul is real, uh, and you have to reinstill that now because there's been no moment like this in human history. There's been moments of moral corruption. There's been moments of degradation, the fall of empires. There's nothing like this. This is an attack on the human condition. Jules R. To your point, says yes. One of the reasons I am no longer atheist is because I can't see how what has happened is only misguided humanity. This is really interesting because. I think there's a revival happening. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is because I've talked to people who, I talked to someone this past August who I've since become friends with, who was telling me he's now open to the possibility of God. And you know why? Because he saw evil. Yeah, because when you see the devil, you recognize God. 
because uh, you don't believe in God or the devil, the devil shows himself. You're like, there better be a God because if that's yeah. what the, this thing is real, there better be one. Yeah, Otherwise, I think well, that's a. I think that's a path for some people is uh, you see the darkness first before you can see the light because you can't see that light until you see the dark, like, and it's full, like, this is evil, right? You know, the most common miracle in the gospels attributed to Jesus, the most common is exorcism, right? And I said, exorcism is a real thing, not just in the Christian traditions and in every religion. Taoists have it, Jews have it, they may not know it, but they have a history of exorcism and it's a living tradition in Islam today. My Sufi masters in West Africa conduct exorcisms today. And the reason I think exorcism is so central to the gospel story of Jesus is that he, there's no denying evil until you see it like that. When you've got your child writhing and talking in a language they don't know, that's not mental illness. Mm -hmm. They're speaking They're speaking a language they've never learned. That's something else. And now you're facing evil itself in the most straightforward fashion in this world, an evil in almost a miraculous way, right? Uh, you know, and then Jesus shows up to do the exorcism because people needed to see this isn't just a sick person because people knew the idea of mental illness even back then. They knew someone could be crazy or emotional. They knew that. But then you got somebody that's possessed that's not what we would call schizophrenia. They also knew this isn't normal. There's something happening here that is metaphysical that I can't explain. And then Jesus shows up and he cleanses them. I mean, there's no greater sign than that. That's why exorcism is the most common miracle in the Gospels because it shatters your perception. You know, when someone actually encounters someone that's possessed by what you would call a demon or what I would call a jinn, an invisible force, and experiences the supernatural elements related to that, all sense of doubt goes away right there. It just vanishes right there. It's so interesting because whether or not a person believes in Mm -hmm. something supernatural like a demon or you can also just uh, you can also just think of ide ideological possession which is something jordan peterson talks about a lot when a person is possessed by ideology or even if they're possessed by an animated by an extreme emotion sometimes i find that helpful to think of as as a demon i don't know how to like to put it into uh, let me think about it this way how can i phrase this mm -hmm. It helps me to think of that way, think of it that way, because it helps me have empathy for them. Because without that, I think this person is just behaving in an evil way. They're an evil person. If I can think of it as like they're not necessarily evil, but they're animated by, they're fully possessed by this thing, whether it's ideology or extreme emotion that they can't control, a personality disorder, whatever you want to call it. It helps me to think of it as this thing that has a hold on them that they haven't shaken yet. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes sense. And, right. you know, and we're seeing this because when we're looking at people, their behavior is not normal, even for troubled teens. People's behavior now is something that any of us who has any sense of normalcy left from Generation X realizes this isn't human behavior. What we're witnessing right now isn't human behavior. It is something that is transhuman. It's something that is beyond what we know of human beings to behave. So even if you don't accept spiritual entities taking over someone's body, the behavior doesn't fit within the, the experience condition of, of being human to most of us, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're left shaking, what is this? What's happening to us? That's why people are afraid right now because the last two years, nothing was human. The behavior wasn't human, right? And we saw yeah. mass psychosis, mass formation. We saw all of it, right? And we're yeah. like, what's happening? What's happening here? And you know, my spiritual teacher said two years ago that these events, the lockdowns and everything else are being used by evil entities, evil jinn, evil demons to enter this world. That this mm -hmm. they're opening a portal through people's high level of fear and then when they get in they will not let go they will enter people's minds and they will take over and that's two years later look where we are and even if again if you don't believe in this stuff think of it as a metaphor what has happened people's yeah. minds have become possessed people have become 
architects of destruction, you know, these foot soldiers for these bad beliefs. So I don't know. Anyway, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to wrap it on something positive, see if I can bring it back around. I was asking you a question of what do you do daily, Cameron, to, to deal with this? And, um, well, I mean, I just, I think, I mean, I have my way. It's all personal. I mean, I relate to God in my own way. I pray, you know, I, I do zikrs, which are sort of mantra meditations in Islam, right? Which are praising God. They they take you out of the material world and make you focus on God instead. And that's the only way through this because, look, the one benefit I have is I'm not married. I have no kids. I cannot imagine raising children in this environment. God protected me. All my friends who have children, every one of my friends, Muslim, non-Muslim, Christian, Jewish, is having real problems with their kids. Every single one of them. They don't know how, especially my liberal friends who don't even know that they know something's wrong, but they can't voice it for fear of being, an, you know, you know, anathemized by their own community. So they know there's something wrong. I don't know a single family that's not having weird, screwed up kids right now. And mm -hmm. so I'm like, thank God. You know, I had this friend, friend of mine as a screenwriter who's a Christian, a devout Christian. He's also not married. He's older. He's in his 60s. And he said this to me. He said, I think God protected me. I don't think I could have raised children in this environment. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I wouldn't know how to do it. Uh, and so... You know, and you can't escape anywhere. I had dinner with a college friend of mine. I hadn't seen her in 28 years. Lovely college friend of mine. She came, she brought her son, who's now started for a freshman year college at the same college we went to, Dartmouth, right? And she was saying that she lives in Dubai. And I haven't seen her in almost 30 years. And we were sitting there and having dinner this last week. And she's saying, in Dubai, in a Arab Muslim country, she's also watching, she's part of, she's also on all these chat boards of, of, you know, and they're all talking about my kid's transgender in Dubai. <laughs> in wow. Dubai. And they're like, parents like, what do I do about this? And like, this is, she's like, and she also is like, this isn't, this isn't coming from the kids. But even in Dubai, there's like this conversation happening. So there's nowhere to escape. Where do you escape to this? You know what I want to do, Cameron? You're making me think, okay. One of the shows I've been planning, and I'll definitely want to talk to little ragamuffin. I don't know if she's in the chat today, but there's a lot of people I know who have raised amazing kids, even in the midst of this. She's one of them. Wonderful. I want to do a show with those parents and be like, how do you know what are you doing? Tell us how. Tell us how, you know. Uh so maybe that'll be a show coming up soon. I, it actually yeah. is a good show because I honestly don't know. I do hope one day to get married. I love children. I hope one day to get married and have children. I love it. I would love it. But it scares me right now. It scares me because I wouldn't – for me right now, I'm like I would not get married unless I had millions of dollars in the bank and know that if I needed to, I could get them on a plane and get them the hell out of any situation because the world is collapsing. The society is collapsing. It was like, okay, LA is falling apart. Let's go to Miami. Miami is falling apart. Let's go to West Africa. West Africa is falling apart. We'll go to Indonesia. But I need to have the resources to get them the hell away from these this collapsing society globally and culture. And that scares me because most of my friends, they can't go anywhere. They're just stuck in their situation. And that's what I'm like, well, I need to be able to get the hell, get them out of here right now. Yeah. Therese is one of these people. Therese mm -hmm. says, my kids are growing and survived college without going woke. I am so thankful. That's God amazing. That's wonderful. Well, you're the future. Um, of you. Those of you that are able to raise normal kids right now, I mean, you're li it literally, I said this to a Muslim friend of mine. I said, we're living in the days before the flood. This is Noah and the flood, guys. You know, you know we're watching. Yeah. Noah, I mean, Noah, the whole world is corrupted in ways that, you know, God just the whole planet. We're living in a world like that. And Noah is the crazy person. Like nobody's, ah, building that boat, whatever. Yeah. Build Build the boat because Build the, boat. It's, the flood's coming. The flood is coming and, you know, there, there's no way out of this. Yeah. I love that. Build the boat. Silver mm -hmm. Luck. Thank you, sir. Gives us, I think it's our final super chat. It says movie recommendations. See the empty man. 
It is not how it was advertised, and it kind of touches the idea of things coming in from outside the world. Thank you for the recommendation. Thank you. I need something to watch, so thank you. <laughs> um, okay, Cameron, thank you for spending this Monday with us, or this, uh, is it Monday? Yes. Before it's Monday. <laughs> That's part of the end of civilization. Time has no meaning anymore. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for spending this Monday with us before Ramadan. Um, yeah. As always, I just love, I love chatting with you. I love having you on this show. Thank you guys in the chat for hanging out with us. Thank you, Pirate Tomsky and Cole for modding. And um, uh, yeah, Pirate Tomsky is saying, carry on the conversation and it carries locals. We are going to figure out how to get more people in the locals. And part of that is me having to go in there and interact. And I just haven't been doing it. So but we do have a locals, we have a Patreon, we have a subscribe star if you want to support the show. And Cameron, tell people where they can find you. Well, the best way is through my Patreon because I'm going to be taking a break from uh, uh, from YouTube for the next uh, several weeks. You know, For the month of Ramadan, I'm just going to take a break, as I mentioned. So you guys won't be seeing me on YouTube. And those of you who follow me, I'm, always, I'm often on like Star Wars YouTubes and stuff like that. I ain't doing none of that for the next month. And you know, I've got some major professional things happening that may actually make it difficult for me to even come back after in May. But for right. Carrie, I will make, I will make, uh, that's Aww. a good thing. I'm getting work. I mean, stuff's happening that they might be like, oh, yeah. You shouldn't be on TV. What are you doing going on YouTube? You know, we got this thing to promote. You need to keep your mouth shut, right? So that's a good thing, right? And so, uh, but hopefully I'll be able to at least work coming back to Carrie in May and, and afterwards because uh, I love being able to talk to her. She's my spiritual Christian sister to her Muslim brother here. And I believe God brought us together and I believe the divine brought us together with this lovely chat. Please continue to support her. She's got thank a very you. special channel and I'm just honored to be part of it. Oh, thank you, Cameron. Um, anyway. We did leave on a good feeling. There we go. <laughs> I, I forgot to say this at the top of the show. So uh, I'm going to be on Geeks and Gamers tomorrow night. If you guys like that channel, I haven't been on it before. I asked them, do I need to refresh my memory on some games? Because I'm playing Far Cry 4 because I still have an Xbox 360 and I'm way in the past. And they were like, no, you don't have to play any games on the show. So give them anyway. my regards. I've been on their, on, on their show once or twice. Okay. So regards. They'll know me. Uh, but yeah, no, they're cool. a fun channel. I think they're going to be, they're, I, well, they're definitely gonna talk about games. They're, they're a very political channel nowadays. So I'm sure they'll, you'll be able to talk about political stuff as well. So yeah. Okay. As long as I don't have to be current on video games. I just know the old ones. Anyway, <laughs> thank you guys very much. Have a great rest of your Monday. We're going to go out with a video. If I can pull it up. And again, I want to thank you to my husband for making this music. Yeah. Here we go. Bye, Cameron. <laughs>